Breakfast with Adam Curry for August 22nd, 2020. This is episode number 47. Has he been eaten by his dog or did the dog eat his homework? <laughs> hey, Mo. How was the pup? How you doing, Adam? Good, man. How's the pup? How's the pup doing? Everything's good with him. He's a he's a busy body, but um, he's integrating to the family just fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how's the? How's I got the, the early morning shifts. I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say. So you're early morning. How's the training overnight? Is that is he hanging in there? Yeah, we're crating him now. Uh, he's he wants about thirty minutes, but then he quiets down. So he's he's a good dog. Oh, okay, good dog. Well, good, good Mo. And we're on schedule. It's a Saturday. We're dropping it as we're supposed to. Which is uh, yeah, quite, this good. This is good. We're, we have progress. We're improving. This is a value for value production. Uh, it means very simply, you can listen to it anytime you want. Costs nothing. But if you found anything of value, we just like you to put that into a number and send it off to uh, to support the show, to support the work. You can find that at mofundme.com or, of course, any information at mofax.com. And today is episode forty-seven. I have to say. Uh, it was hard for me not to realize what the topic would be just to, with a quick glance at your clip list. Uh, I'm very excited about this. This is stuff that um, I've always wanted to know from a different perspective. Well, I guess to find out, you got to spin that wheel. All righty, here we go. It's, it's the wheel of topics for Mo Facts number 47. Where it stops, nobody knows, but obviously Mo does know, and you're going to love this one, I'm pretty sure. What is the topic for today's Mo Facts? The biggest wasp on the planet. <laughs> the biggest wasp on the planet. The bee sting, the wasp sting, killer wasps. Yes, definitely killer wasp. Okay. <laughs> definitely killer wasp. That's a great uh So, it's this is going to be one of those ones I started off in one direction down the rabbit hole and I took a hard right somewhere and ended up in a total different place. So, please bear with me. I think it'll be an exciting ride, but Okay. I'm, uh, I'm ready for it. I am uh, I'm uh, I'm buckled in. I guess we can jump in number to to number 2 then. Thanks for staying with us. Time now for Eye on Africa with me, Georgia Calvin-Smith. Tonight, the WHO strongly rejects the controversial suggestions made by French scientists last week that coronavirus vaccine testing should happen in Africa. Critics of the on-air remarks have slammed them for being racist and born of a damaging colonial outlook. But first, the head of the WHO has condemned suggestions made on air by French scientists last week that potential coronavirus vaccines should be tested in Africa. Jean-Paul Mira, head of intensive care at the Kusha Hospital in Paris, first asked if he could be provocative before questioning Camille Locht, head of research at the National Institute of Health and Medical Research in Lille, whether a study into using the BCG vaccine should happen in Africa. He compared it to past studies and to AIDS that tested treatments on prostitutes. <laughs> WHO chief Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus was one of many who condemned the tone of the conversation is being racist <laughs> yeah this now i i've studied vaccines uh for a long time i've been following the development but following the financial path following the regulation uh but i've also looked extensively into hiv gates foundation africa so i'm very curious uh what rabbit holes you found and if they cross over any of the tunnels i may have left behind in the past so what we're going to do here is we're going to start looking at the narrative of getting 
so-called black people vaccinated yeah. yes <laughs> and it's starting in africa the killer wasp are in africa and they're um they're, they're raining uh, wrecking havoc all over you know the african people i think the testing has just started in south africa yeah under a lot of pushback and um so this is a clip from uh france 24 uh and the following clip will be from the same a uh, report but ha- featuring dr tedros to be honest, I was so appalled, and it was um, a time when I said, when we needed solidarity, this kind of racist remarks actually would not help. It goes against the solidarity. Africa cannot and will not be a testing ground for any vaccine. <laughs> We will follow all the rules to test any vaccine or therapeutics all over the world using exactly the same rule. Whether it's in Europe, Africa, or wherever, we will use the same protocol, and if there is a need to be tested elsewhere, to treat human beings the same way, equally. And the hangover from a colonial mentality has to stop. And WHO will not allow this to happen. Now, the doctors have apologized for any offense caused and say that they've been misunderstood. Africa has seen far fewer cases of COVID-19 than Europe, the United States and the Middle East. (laughs) Okay, a couple things. I just fill in in a couple things here before you get to to that last bit. One, Tedros Tedros is a, I want to say he's from... Nigeria, Ethiopia, 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 Ethiopia yes. that's formerly Ethiopia that's now Eritrea. Yes. And uh, and it was the uh, Chinese Communist Party who lobbied for him to get this job. There's a huge uh, commercial bridge between what is formerly known as Ethiopia and China, which, as far as I know, never closed during the pandemic. Um, and uh, and so Tedros is uh, he's. 100% shill. He's not a medical doctor, even though they call him Dr. Tedros to give him that kind of Dr. Jill Biden uh, medical vibe. Yeah, uh, I was going to make that point <laughs> that he's not actually. I got five things here. <laughs> Just, okay. Yeah. Uh, there may be problems with Mr. Uh, doctor, excuse me, Dr. Tedros. One, he's not actually a medical doctor. Correct. He has a master's of a uh, master's degree in immunology. Uh, two, he's a far left politician that was put in place by. Um, by, by China, yep, yep. Uh, that you mentioned before. Number three, uh, he exhibits very poor judgment um, when he was um, dealing with uh, in Zimbabwe. Uh, yes, it was scandalous. Some, it was they, scandalous. Yeah, they, they had some issues there. We, we might talk about later on. Uh, number four is the China connection that you made, and then five, uh, he's been an awful health minister. Uh, I think he may be swayed and pro uh, vaccines because he lost a brother due to um, the measles. Uh huh. So it would have nothing else to do with with money and power. Yeah. uh, Well, we always talk about the we always talk talk about the human aspect of these people. That's a good point. And what may shape them. Uh, we did it with Trump. We did it with Obama. We do it with everybody. Basically, look at the human side of them, and he might believe. It helps to do what you do if you actually believe it. 
And so I think maybe he actually believes that he's doing a good thing and he can line his pockets at the same time. Yeah. So and and, and just on the on vaccination of Africans in general, um the Gates Foundation has a poor record, uh, particularly in combination with the Clinton Global Health Initiative, where they literally bought crap vaccines from some French company and unloaded them on unwilling uh, kids. And a lot of them died. And the, and this is documented. Uh, in fact, I'll put and, it in the, and show the notes. bad blood scandal. I mean, and the, and the bad blood scandal. Yeah, with the cancer. They in had. It. it was all kinds yeah, of weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, just to give you a little background on uh, Dr. Uh, Tedros, let me, let me say this before I go into this next clip. I'm starting to see brown doctors being rolled out. There was one medical doctor they rolled out. It was an older black lady or appeared to be an older black lady, and she was all for getting black people vaccinated. Um, you have Dr. Tedros, where he appears to be black. Um but he's not uh, ADOS. Let's let's point right, it out. But right. he's one hundred percent African. Yeah. So the you start to see this like why I notice these things that why are they rolling these same people these same looking people with the same, similar appearances out to do the talking, and you'd have Africa, which has one of the lowest per capita. Um, Affected, uh, infected yes, rates. Yes, which which we believe may be because <laughs> they already take a lot of hydroxychloroquine to count yeah, you know, they, as prophylaxis for uh, for malaria, etc. And uh, um, what's what am I thinking of? Not malaria. Is it malaria? No, it's malaria. It's malaria. It's malaria. It's malaria. Anti yeah. malarial yeah. um, diseases. I mean, anti malarial uh, medicines that yeah. they take, which may have suppressed. Because the first show we did on the, the Rona, uh, we talked about the low numbers in Africa and that leading to the speculation that black people couldn't catch COVID, yes. which it has been debunked now. <laughs> I think we know by now that's not true. Yes. And it went, the pendulum went all the way to the other that, you know, basically we're the face of Corona, even though it, yes. d- it does come from China. <laughs> it's a, it's actually a racist virus. It's going after, uh, going after black and brown people. Apparently. Apparently so. So I did I did a little homework on Dr. Tedros and the coronavirus vaccine is not the only vaccine he's pushing for. Every two minutes, a woman loses her life to cervical cancer. This does represent our collective failure to protect women from a preventable disease. Two years ago, WHO launched an initiative to eliminate cervical cancer. Since then, we have worked with our partners to develop a unified strategy to achieve that goal. Our aim is to drive cervical cancer below 4 per 100,000 women in every country within a century, preventing over 70 million deaths. The idea of eliminating any cancer was once considered a pipe dream. We now have the evidence and the tools that show it can be done. Vaccination, screening, treatment, palliative care. We cannot cherry pick. We must pursue them all. The COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted many essential health services and is likewise a risk to services for cervical cancer. 
It's vital that countries ensure routine services such as vaccination and cancer screening continue with the appropriate safety precautions. Let me, let me guess. Is this the Gardasil <laughs> HPV uh, vaccine that he's talking about? Yes, and oh, this happened brother. at the... Th- 33rd <laughs> International <laughs> Human Pavilloma Virus uh, Conference. Mm-hmm. And I and this was from uh, July 20th through the 24th uh, uh, on 29th, um, 2020. Yeah. And I think a lot of companies are like, hey, y'all are stepping on our vaccines. So he had to oh, uh, oh, go oh, out. Oh, and- oh, Mo, definitely. <laughs> oh, I mean, we were talking about it a couple days ago on, uh, on No Agenda. Twindemic, it's the same, it's the same thing. Hey, hey, hey. What about the flu vaccine? We got to sell that too, man. We got it. We, yeah, it could be a twindemic. We got to get the flu vaccine. Oh yeah, it's a big, it's a big marketing push right now. So it could be a tridemic. I mean, <laughs> yes, because I mean you're pushing the. the it was human, up to uh, them. I mean the yeah, the cerv- to- cervical cancer as well. So I think a lot of companies is like, hey, you shut down our our flow because people are scared to go to the hospital. Scared to go get treatments, vaccines, and all those things. Yep, yep. These uh, these other companies, like, hey, we got the long game going here. Like you said, the flu shot. That's where you see the twin demic popping up, and then he's push out here pushing in the middle of the COVID. Yeah, he has to, he has to go out and still push for the um, HPV cancer vaccine. Yeah, yeah the now, HPV. Like uh, Doctor Tedros, I am not a medical doctor, but I can tell you that of the I believe twenty three different uh, strains. Um, the HPV guard is, I've, we studied this extensively, but really the marketing side is the most interesting. Um, mm-hmm. They, uh, it really only can protect you against three different versions of it, but the marketing would start off towards, of course, uh, mothers, girls, young girls, they were hanging pack info packets on college dorm room doorknobs. Uh, they, uh, then of course they said, Oh, no, no boys got to have it too, because you know, you, for your cervix, so that and you know and there's some <laughs> some evidence that HPV can cause throat cancer, which was really kind of thrown into the into the media when Michael Douglas said he got throat cancer from oral sex with his wife, which he later said you got to have true. the celebrity pitch man. Yeah, you got to have well, the celebrity pitch man up it, front. <laughs> yeah, it really worked. And then later it wasn't true, but Cat was out of the bag, and uh, and of course when this first was administered there were all kinds of weird effects there were groups of girls who could only walk backwards uh were, were all ticking and going making crazy noises it was really when that first started it was quite intense to see what was going on so we have history of vaccines being a problem especially for uh, so-called so-called quote-unquote black people yeah, and let's just say um, we're, i don't th- i don't think we're anti-vaxxers we're just having a conversation here um in general but you know. i am not an anti-vaxxer but i am an anti-stacker so i, yeah, I don't think right you on. should give four or five or ten different how about 67 uh, at once 67 total yeah. i mean that that's what your kids i'm sure they're trying to get your kids to take all that crap and then on top of that then we have this next set of clips that come from the mayo clinic let me just set it up for a second they study somali americans but they just refer to it as, as African Americans. So we have this um, <laughs> okay. conflation of <laughs> the male brown does people, that? right? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, wait. Geez. Yeah. This is uh this is a description from the video. It says Somali Americans. Well, I won't give it away, but that because they give too much. But they I, they found this interesting 
uh, phenomenon. And just to say, I don't have the doctor's name because they didn't have it, but it's from the Mayo Clinic. And we'll just refer to him as Dr. Pokum. <laughs> okay. The most outstanding and to some degree unexpected difference that we found is that African-Americans have much higher antibody responses to this viral vaccine, rubella, than we have seen in any other population. Why would that be? Well, that's the subject of the next set of studies, but it's really a foundational finding in this respect. We sort of have a population level approach to medicine. We do it with drugs, we do it with vaccines. We assume everybody's alike and that they all respond the same. This is the basis of personalized or individualized medicine. Our group has been among the first to show that what we know for how people respond to drugs turns out to also be true in how people respond to biologics like vaccines. So you and I may respond very differently as a cohort, say, of Caucasians, but my colleague who's African-American and the population of African-Americans turn out to have a much better response to that vaccine. Huh. Okay, so a couple things. Rubella is German measles, um, which apparently is really dangerous for pregnant women, but who knows? That may have been put into our brain early on as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And the term biologics, which he used there, that is uh, a category of medicine which vaccines fall under, and the reason why they created that is because you you cannot be sued for a biologic. There's indemnification... There's no path. There is a, the U.S. government has a fund if you've been damaged by vaccines, but it's a process and it's not very well known. Uh, But the biologics was, that class of medicine was created specifically for vaccinations and indemnification. And this particular vaccination, he says it has a better response for African-Americans. I don't know what he means by better response. Does that mean greater uh, immune system agitation? That's a good I question. Don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's, well, <laughs> well, you would you would presume that, you know, so this is the problem with these vaccines. It's like polio vaccine, you got it, you're done. Um, but mm-hmm. all these others, like, oh, I've got to come back for a booster because it's obviously not 100% effective. So... I think what he's saying is the efficacy rate would be higher. Um, I don't know if, if, but it sounded pretty unscientific. It was just him saying his friends. So it wasn't really like, here's it. And by the way, where are the peer reviewed studies and where's the media about this? And, and then the co- the cohort of Caucasians. I love, <laughs> I love that um, uh, um, terminology used there, but in all, in all seriousness, you're saying vaccines affect different ethnic groups differently so or instead of having eight vaccines, don't you think you need to have 24 of these COVID vaccines going? One for uh, <laughs> yeah, black one people, for black, one brown, for brown people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this goes to show you, this is a perfect example of systemic racism because white people are the default. <laughs> it's like That's here a good and point. Then it, That's a very good point. So, so I'm just w- want to show people these, thing, these things exist, but we don't talk about them in the right way. How is it that we he clearly from the Mayo Clinic is not some quack um, as seen by the medical industry or the medical uh, field because he works for the Mayo Clinic. He's saying that these vaccines affect different ethnic groups differently, but we don't know. But trust our trust our data. It's like you don't know how it's going to affect 
my kids because you did the study on another group of kids, but you want me to trust your science. That That's very troubling. When I heard this clip, I was like, this blows everything that we know about vaccines out of the water. Thank you. That's a very good point. <laughs> that's yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, the whole booster thing by itself is weird, but then, oh, well, it works differently on different people. Oh, hold on a second. So what, what is the system? What, what exactly is going on? You're right. And, and are you the only one uh, of my black friends who worries about this or is this common? Oh, no, this is widespread and mm-hmm. it, we'll get there in a minute. Another thing um, not discussed. Let, <laughs> another thing. Not yeah. Discussed. Another, another thing not discussed. Um, but let's continue with Dr. Pocum. Well, this is really important in terms of how we deliver vaccines, how we design vaccines, perhaps the safety of vaccines. And this is new information in the biologic field that I think is going to change how we practice medicine. The vaccine, in essence, is working differently. The question is why? Ah, It's the same vaccine in human beings administered the same way. And yet it stimulates a very different set of gene expression and protein secretion, that protein being antibody that protects us when we see the virus. In Japan and in Europe, we're seeing outbreaks of rubella and measles. Their vaccines that are given together, primarily because of people rejecting the vaccine out of unfounded fears about the safety of the vaccine. But the interesting thought occurs to me, maybe we only have to give African-Americans half the size dose <laughs> that we give to Caucasians. That's yeah, an example of individualizing our approach to somebody. Eventually what will happen is it won't be something as complicated as race. It will be genetically based. So we will look at somebody's genes that are important to developing immunity and based on which ones they carry, say, you don't need the vaccine. You're not at any risk or you need twice the dose of the average person or half the dose or you're at risk for this kind of side effect. And that changes how we practice medicine. It's a, it's an exciting new era in that regard. I'm just going to say one thing. How can anything he said that they make decisions on unfounded claims. How can it be unfounded when you're uncertain what your science is? Yeah, well, I think this is a sales pitch what he's doing here. <laughs> and, and, and here's why I think that. So first of all, he's absolutely right. It's a very exciting time in medicine. This is when I first saw how exciting it was for them at the J.P. Morgan Financial Conference for vaccines. And they were all like, oh, my God, this is great. We get to we get to treat people before they're even sick. Wow. (laughs) As many as possible. (laughs) And they had you know vaccines for smoking addiction and all kinds of is that really a vaccine? No, but it fell under biologic. So that's part one. Part two is. I think he's really pushing towards exactly what they're trying to do with uh, uh, with the modern vaccines, in particular Moderna, which is Dr. Fauci's favorite. And this is an RNA vaccine. It's never been tried. We're going to get there, Curry. Oh, We're going to get there. Putting the goggles on. All right. Per- let me just You've put it this so way. You've been so good the last couple of weeks. Go ahead. Personalized uh, medicine is what they're going for, and then I will leave it at that. For those that can afford it. Well, hello. First, we test it on, on, on black people, and then we give it to rich calibrate people. Calibrate it. Cal- cal- well, we got to cal- calibrate it. <laughs> get a baseline. <laughs> yeah, get a baseline. It's like, oh, that's that's pretty harsh on the Negroes. But, so I'm, let's, but, uh, I'm, I'm glad you point, but I'm glad you pointed that out because when, you, you know, yeah, it's it, that is just systemically racist 
he's only thinking of his baseline, which is white people. And then, oh, what a surprise. It works differently on those people. So clearly this, not not caring as much. This goes back to the racist numbers. Yeah, the math. Yeah. We talked about a few shows ago where, you know, the how they use the numbers. Remember they did with Super, super Predators? Yeah. They, they, they said, they, okay, they let's look at a small group of numbers. Right. They used the model. And then they uh, extrapolated. Yeah. And, um to the larger population and say, oh my God, we're going to have a million super predators running the streets, which <laughs> it wasn't yummies. true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so now they're doing the same thing. It's like, just like two million, first of all, you're studying like Somalis. Dead. Yeah, <laughs> same thing, man. Yeah, yeah they're all brown. I mean, <laughs> ooh, who cares? <laughs> you're all in the community. <sighs> it's, 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 it's troubling. And even more troubling is this next clip from the NIAID. Uh, they have a doctor, uh, Kizmika. Uh, no, Kiz, yeah, Kizmika, Kizmikia, Kizmikia Corbett, which I'm going to say this. Who was ever picking these people? <laughs> Get better names, they, they, first of all. <laughs> no, 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 no. The name, the name is good. No, the name is good because it's an ethnic seeming name it's the same thing with barack yeah, okay. how he went by barry his whole life yeah. but when he decided <laughs> to run for president yeah. he switched to barack right because it seems more ethnic so i'm not going to denigrate this sister any in any way because she's a uh, so-called black woman very dark skin attractive and she has an ethnic sounding name so they put her out front and what she's going to do is talk about the uh, NIAID's Vaccine Research Center and their develop, de- uh, efforts to develop the, the new RNA vaccine that you that you um, <laughs> that I have to. my goggles on for. Yes. Okay. Yes. This is the protein that is on the surface of a coronavirus, and it is the protein that the virus uses to attach to the cell and then enter the cell. What a, a mRNA vaccine is is we're essentially delivering the genetic material, so we're delivering delivering the messenger RNA that encodes our mutated novel coronavirus spike, the messenger RNA will tell the body to present this spike protein and the body will respond by creating an immune response. And hypothetically, if all goes well, then that immune response will then be able to see a novel coronavirus before a person gets infected and prevent that infection. We started this collaboration with Moderna because we wanted to utilize our antigen concept. So our vaccine concept but deliver it via their platform. So what that means is that we take our sequence from the VRC and we give it to Moderna and Moderna develops the vaccine. Oh yeah, they own half of it, the NIAID. Yeah, so basically what she's for people that want to follow along at home, think about it as a missile. They have the warhead the yeah. payload and Moderna has the, you know, the, the rocket mm-hmm. or the delivery mechanism. Yep. And that's based, they're working together. And then you're hopefully your immune system sees Moderna's vehicle as a, like a Trojan horse that it allows it to get inside the genes or the cell. And then the RNA delivers the code, the recoding. Yeah. 
to look for the coronavirus, which this is all. So the last guy was Dr. Pokum. <laughs> he was talking about the old vaccine way. Yeah, which you now and he, they don't have no understanding of that <laughs> as clear as he was saying on the, you know, the racial ethnic differences of the person that's receiving the vaccine. Right. But now here they come with a whole new way of doing vaccines and it's I think what they said like years, it takes years before you can um qualify a vaccine typically and we're yeah. shaving oh, that down it, it to can be three years to up to 12 years it can be really long depending but you know it's also the government pre-financed it all we pre we pre-purchased moderna johnson and johnson uh, i think uh, merck so we we have about four billion dollars half a billion dollars each to eight different vaccines of which moderna is the favorite to win because fauci fauci is the head of niaid uh, they also own half the patents in personal title. But they want to take it to Africa and black and brown communities in America. It's like, we don't know what this is going to do. <laughs> it's well, something totally new. And we're just going to give it to black people and brown people. No, or no, brown that's, no. And browner people. no, no, no. That's not what he's saying. He's saying we're going to test all kinds of cool variations on black and brown people. That's what he's saying. So, yeah, let's figure this one out. This is cool. And you wonder why we, knowing this, knowing what we talked about on the show about Tuskegee uh, experiment, uh, all of those things, you think we wouldn't be a little apprehensive about well, taking a vaccine? Not only that, you, you, you'd think that guys like Fauci, and he's closing in on 80, it might stick in his mind to think, you know, we should probably do a little extra work here to make sure that we're really on the up and up and everyone feels comfortable because, but if you want to say it, no, because he's actually racist. He's not thinking about that. And you want to test the most vulnerable. So even if, say, I'm healthy. You want to test it on me, but then I go back in the general population with my family members and I have this bug that you shot me up with and I don't know how it's going to impact the other people. Because everybody talks about how you get sick after you get the flu vaccine. I mean, you get a little sick because they're, you know, they're giving you a little piece of the virus mm-hmm. and that's what you want to do. I, I don't think that's a good idea. Well, and, it's, it's, it's happening right now in Houston. I mean, they are testing the, and these people are in the wild. They're throwing people out in the wild. Let, let me say a couple of things about that. One, growing up as a kid, I had this guy that lived next door to me. He was a young man. He was my brother's age, so he was probably eight years older than me at the time. And he survived off. He survived off of taking medical trials. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's sure. how. That's how he. Yeah, that's sure. how he lived. Yeah. I mean, you come. You know, you see those commercials. Come down here. Let me shoot you up with this or yeah. take this pill. And you know, we study for six months. <laughs> it's pod- podcasting <laughs> is really only one step above that lifestyle, uh, Mo. So, <laughs> no, I'm just saying. So these things, and we used to call them medical will, uh, because it, <laughs> medical we found it to will. be strange that <laughs> no, I, I, no shit, you. I'm, I, 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 I crap you not uh, that. We, we even as a young, I mean, well, I was about 14, 15 years. I found that to be strange. Like, that's how you make money to let them run tests on you. Yeah. But now it's widespread. But I will say this. There's several new art. Uh, written, there was written new art, news articles. I couldn't find any clips. Um, but the average 
uh, in America, people willing to take the vaccine is about 50%. The willing participation of black people is like 25%. So that answers your question of we're, we're not on board with this at all. I mean, there's even my mom, which falls, she falls into the, the category, you know, of high risk. I mean, just for age and ethnic, you know, um, yeah, ethnic sure, group. Sure. She don't have, I don't think really she has any comorbidities other, you know, I don't think she has any, but you know, she, she's was with them canceling church and which shocked me. But when it came to the vaccine, she drew a hard line. She said, I'm not taking their vaccine. I'm not taking it. Hmm. So, and did she elaborate or she just said, I'm not taking it. That's it. That's it. It's a hard, hard stop. <laughs> it is not, and a lot of people, a lot of black people are at that point and not only black people, because I have this pastor, Char- Charles Lawson, uh, which he is a uh, white pastor, I think, in a church out in Tennessee. You may want to play a little theremin, maybe not. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, I'll listen and see if, if you, it warrants it. The theremin starts all by itself. Uh, right. So he um, gives a warning on do not take the COVID vaccine. We are living prophecy, no question in my mind. We are living Bible prophecy. A man by the name of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you'd think, I don't know that he's any kin, but he says says that almost no one understands what's at stake. He said no one understands what's at stake. Pharma has 80 COVID vaccines in development, 80 of them. But Bill Gates and Fauci pushed modern Frankenstein jab to the front of the line. What are you talking about, preacher? Scientists and ethicists are sounding alarms. The vaccine uses a new, untested, and very controversial experimental RNA technology. Stop for a moment. DNA is the code that is in your body. That code is passed from generation to generation, but it's simply code. It's like an encyclopedia. It's like a book of knowledge. All this information, RNA reads it. And RNA takes what it reads and through its own process, disseminates it into the body. Preach. Yeah, I'm joining his church. (laughs) This is exactly what's going on. And this is exactly why I think they wanted to close churches down. There is a... There is a truther movement inside of the church, no matter the ethnic group. Nice one. Very good. Yes. When you see the Illuminati, satanic, that kind of thing. Yeah. That goes hand in hand. And really, the truther community is the meeting place. It was a meeting place for us. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah, sure. Uh, Conspiracies are the meeting place where... Uh, you can get people from different races to kind of agree on certain things, and it didn't help that the what was the what was the bill name like six 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 six? It was Bill zero six 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 something weird like that. Yeah, we were like that, and then uh, his patent is the same thing. It has like multiple sixes in it, so it's not a far reach. When you start talking about recoding DNA and. Uh, playing God. I mean, that's basically what that's how it's seen as a believers yeah. as they're playing God. And then we're going to talk about this subject and I'm just going to lightly broach it. CRISPR. Yes. I think CRISPR, CRISPR is the most dangerous thing 
in our times. And that's greater than yeah. COVID, greater than nu- nuclear weapons, greater than anything else is CRISPR. And what CRISPR does, it lets them go in and modify genes and DNA on a level they can't even understand. Well, here, here's, so, here's what's really interesting about it. The technology for CRISPR is pretty much readily available. You can already uh, take a DNA sequence. You can use CRISPR, C-R-S-P-R, I think it's it's what it is. Yes, yes, Um, yes. And you can already use CRISPR's open source code, and you can rearrange that, and and really all it needs is just being reintroduced into the host of the DNA. It's like there's guys, I know guys who who were, and I know him because of ham radio, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, another very racist hobby. Not, not enough black people on ham radio. Um, the, uh, uh, the uh, he's you know electrical engineer, and he's 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 moved over to this bioengineering. And so now they're all learning CRISPR and DNA sequences, and you can run this stuff on on a Windows ten machine at home. That's scary. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm legit. I'm, I'm legit scared now because you well, also I, see these yeah. things cropping up with these gen- genetically modified mosquitoes. They're, they're just kind of throwing out there. It's like, yeah, we released 200,000 genetically modified mosquitoes into the wild. Uh, and I assume CRISPR is the method that they're uh, genetically modifying by. But they, I, I will broach that subject in further detail later down the line because I saw a very troubling uh TED talk on CRISPR that yeah. never left me. Yeah, it um, it was indeed the the COVID vaccine bill was House Resolution 666. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, now you see what feeds people like Pastor Charles Lawson and maybe even my own mother. Uh, hey bro, bro, I'm not she, taking this thing. They're not sticking that that evil stuff in me. So, it, no. I, I, if she to her, if my mom would have knew that part part of it, which I doubt she does, it's definitely a no go on the vaccine because yeah. no, no six 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 there. Um, but the church, but the church get, connection is very astute. That is, uh, man, bang on. This makes so much sense. Like keep them away from that. Whew. Okay. And let's you give me. you another example of what to keep them away from. Let's hear Pastor Charles Lawson, part two. And very controversial experimental RNA technology. Stop for a moment. DNA is the code that is in your body. That code is passed from generation to generation. But it's simply code. It's like an encyclopedia. It's like a book of knowledge. All this information. RNA reads it. And RNA takes what it reads and through its own process disseminates it into the body. So here we go. It tells us that the vaccine uses a new untested and very controversial experimental RNA technology that Gates has backed for over a decade. If instead of in, injecting an antigen and adjuvant as with traditional max vaccines, Moderna plugs a small piece of coronavirus genetic code into human cells, altering DNA throughout the human body and reprogramming our cells to produce antibodies to fight the virus. 
mRNA vaccines are a form of genetic engineering called germline gene editing. Moderna's genetic alterations are passed down to future generations. Yeah, baby. Guess what we could put in there? All kinds of cool splicing. Yeah, it's, if this if this this is in fact the most important medical test they could ever do, and they've, if intentional, it's been arranged beautifully. It has, and the pressure points that come with it. Let's just talk about the pressure points before we continue on here. What what I mean by pressure points is this. Most people only vaccinate their kids so they can have access to free child care, a.k.a. public schools. Yeah, exactly. Let's just be let's just be honest here. You bet. I, and you I'm bet. one of them. I'm one of them. Sure. I'm, I'm not preaching, you know, I'm from a place of um, I, I know better, that kind of thing. When you're a low income family or middle lower to middle income family. Public schools is a necessity. Okay, so now what have they done? Cancel schools. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and this is never. It's this is this is one of my sticks in my craw. I, I this irks me a lot. All the discussion is really a very privileged one. It's not a discussion of poverty that the news media has when it comes to opening schools or not. The people who are speaking are all people of incredible privilege who are speaking. They have no. The, they're not giving any view of what it's really like in a lot of America. But I think that's a good thing. What I want to say that is we have to stop letting other people indoctrinate our children. And you're going to hear later on why I made that point. But let me just get back to the pressure point. So if you're your kids are out of school and you're not privileged let's go to use your term privileged enough to work from home say like i am um i can you know like bounce to the kids table help them and then bounce back to work but if you actually have to leave the house oh it's a nightmare and they say and they say your kids cannot come back to school yeah then, <laughs> unless they get this rna vaccine yep what are you going to do yeah well we all know what we have to do Go a so find a way to, pressure... go find a way to get a fake vaccination certificate, obviously. And by the way, Mo, I'm on it, Brosif. <laughs> I'm figuring out how this works. Yeah. Oh, there'll be well, there'll be a huge me, trade in po- that. Yeah, there's gonna be a huge keep trade me posted. in this. Mm-hmm. Or if they say I can't co- go back to work <laughs> right. unless I take the vaccine. Yeah. Another pressure point. So they have us right where they want us yeah. to make us take this thing. Oh, it's going to it's going to be it's going to be much worse. I think it'll be football stadiums, movie theaters, maybe even the mall. It's going to it'll be much more widespread. The, yeah, kids is well, the problem. I, I I guess we can live without the mall, live without going to concerts or bat, football games. But for poor people, you got to get your they, kids. Their to kids have to go to school, and it's like, well, you know, the old ones will die off. So I mean we don't we won't make them get the vaccine. Okay, so and if just, we get the kids, then when they don't pass the they'll pass it on. According to Doctor, uh, I mean excuse me, according to Pastor Charles Lawson, once you inject the children, then all their other children will be vaccinated through you know birth. Yeah, seems like a kind of a <laughs> shitty business model. Quite honestly, it's only good for one generation. Somehow I don't believe that. 
Well, you got the boosters. I mean, of course they're gonna they're gonna uh, double back with the boosters. <laughs> that's already like, started. Yeah. yeah, they've already started with boosters. <laughs> already talked about it. Yeah. So, um, it's it's very scary, especially when you start to look at other things that the medical industry have done. And we talked about on the show. This is from a show twenty nine. Uh, Doctor Randy Short talked about the Depovera shot. Can you talk about the, what you know about the health effects, though? Because obviously women were being administered this for years without yes. knowing about them. Well, the drug was first patented in 1959. By the middle 60s, there were a lot of unethical experimentations done, in particular the Grady Clinic study in, in Georgia on poor black and poor white women. God knows how many people died. Uh, this drug did not get approved until 1993-94, but during that time, that was used on women all over the effects of it are serious yeah it was worldwide it was really bad <laughs> so that's recent history yeah. we're talking like 80s 90s maybe even up to the 2000 early 2000s that there and and we remember we played the clips from planned parenthood still saying it was good oh no double is <laughs> good it's good for you uh, uh this is why people are so apprehensive especially black and brown people are apprehensive about taking this vaccine because we've heard the horror stories and they're more like urban legend uh so we don't want any part of it Uh, well uh, i would just point everybody towards uh robert kennedy jr he's the one that's spearheading he started uh he started getting interested in vaccine. He's not anti-vaxxer. He was interested mm-hmm. because he was about, he was working on getting water, mercury out of the water. So we wouldn't have mercury poisoned fish. And all these, these moms would show up everywhere he talked and they would just show up and they would show up. And then they kept saying, look, there's mercury in the vaccines. And this is what happened to my kid. And he couldn't ignore it at a certain point. And then he started to look into it. And that was the thimerosal, which we heard the pastor talking about, which is an adjuvant which is kind of a, like a hamburger helper of vaccine. You know, you throw a little bit of meat in there, you throw the adjuvant in, and boom, you got a full mm. burger for for just a, a fraction of the price. And so he's he's all about safe vaccines. That's that's the traditional method. Um, and he, I mean, he's looking at this MRA stuff, and he's scratching his head going, what? And he's getting pretty vocal about it. So... Yeah. And Pastor Charles Lawson even referred to him at the beginning of oh, the first yes, right. clip That's we played right. by him. That's yeah. right. So, so his message is spreading like wildfire. And then the problem with that is that with the weight of the Kennedy name, yeah. that that carries a certain weight to it as well. Well, the weight is is that it's it's easy to kill them off, you know, because it's just like oh, another Kennedy's dead. No one's going to care. So that's the problem I see for him. You know this. That that that's a, that's a true point is what that's like oh, another Kennedy yeah, it's a, whatever it's expected yeah expected to happen. <laughs> well, so I got this next clip out of your clip bag. Uh, this is uh, Saint Fauci oh, yes. and uh, Doctor Collins, the BFFs, yeah. and they talk about uh, vac- vaccinating black and brown people. And it will be important uh, to encourage people to enroll. So people who are watching this right now uh, might want attention in two or three weeks uh, to announcements that there might be a vaccine trial enrollment somewhere in your neighborhood because we will depend on the public uh, to sign up and help us figure this out 
let's be clear. These vaccines have already gone through phase one and phase two trials. So we know that they've been safe, significant number of individuals. And we know that they seem to be capable of raising antibodies. But we haven't actually done the real testing in the field that is going to be in the so-called phase three trials. But particularly, Tony, it seems to me because this disease, COVID-19, has hit particular groups really hard. And I'm talking about older people, people with chronic disease, African-Americans, Latinos. We want to be sure that the vaccine enrollment includes those folks as well. When you're dealing with HIV, there's a disparity of susceptibility, of involvement. 13% of the American population is African-American and 45 to 50% of the new infections. So whenever we do treatment and prevention trials, through our networks, we outreach through community representatives and community outreach. We're going to use that same model to do the same thing for the African-American, Latinx, and Native American populations. It works so well with AIDS. What could possibly go wrong? So you heard Fauci say we use community outreach. Mm -hmm. So that's why you're seeing uh, Dr. Corbett (laughs) uh, uh, Kizmika uh kids makia kids makia that's a yes. hell of a name she's the, uh, kids she's the perfect pitch she's a perfect pitch person she she fits the community attractive, guidelines yep yeah attractive dark skin well i've also nickname. i've also seen that because you know i watched some of the houston local stations and uh one mm-hmm. of the news anchors she may have been, i don't think she's a news anchor or weather person uh she was apparently the first uh person ever to get the moderna vaccine in the public trial uh, she's ados and uh, is it is, is she is she a light? I mean, let's just lighter I skin. I know you're talking lighter about skin, yeah. light skin, yep. shapely yep. woman. Yeah, shapely is the oh, correct yeah, she, yeah, I think she. Um, oh, she's a she's a social media superstar. Well, there's your so community they, outreach right there. That's what I saw. Mm-hmm. I know I know exactly who you talk. I can't call her name, but you see her pop it but pop up on your social media feed. Because of what she has on more than than the, the weather she's uh, she's promoting. And, so and they is have there a, to quote Trump. Was there something bad about that? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, you had your vaccine vixen there. So. Yeah, vaccine so. vixen. Nice. <laughs> Vax vixen. So, I mean, yeah. So that's what they're doing. They're catering to the lowest common denominator with people. To get them to trust these uh, representatives of Fauci, of Moderna, of NIAID, and they're using basically what the boule. This is how the boule was formed. It's like we need we need uh, doctors and preachers, right? So medi- go talk me- medical boule. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crazy. So I have um, this next clip. Uh, this is actually Doctor Bill Ooh. and uh, Melinda Gates. And they're they're going to do the push themselves to get black and brown people vaccinated. <laughs> they deserve to get this vaccine first. OK, whenever Bill <laughs> Gates says you deserve something, don't believe it. This guy is ruthless. They deserve to get this vaccine first. And from there, you want to do tiering in various countries to make sure your most vulnerable populations get it. Um, in, in our country, that would be blacks and Native Americans, people with underlying health conditions and the elderly. And so we need to look at as a globe and we're involved with many European leaders um, and African leaders and others in Southeast Asia to make sure there's a purchasing fund that can pull that vaccine through when it's available and get it out in wide-scale distribution. 
You know, in fact, the testing could have been ramped up uh, very quickly. And a few countries that have almost avoided the epidemic entirely, like uh, Taiwan, New Zealand, Australia, you know, they took their experience and actually prepared. And so they moved a lot faster. Uh, so we, you know, we'll have to prepare for the next one. That, you know, I'd say is... Uh, will get attention this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you think that they, because she, she didn't say elderly, because I think that would be, the, that is clearly statistically the most vulnerable to coronavirus, or the COVID-19 right. death, uh, which she did not mention. It was blacks, and uh, I think she said blacks or black? Black. Uh, black and they Native American. They deserve it first. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they deserve it first. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, do you think that that's because, they, because they've discovered that it responds differently and they want to continue tweaking? No, I think if a bunch of dead black people show up, it won't make that much news. I understand why you feel that way, for sure. And, for and, sure. and what I don't understand, if I'm testing out, I mean, I'm just scientific scientific method, <laughs> you want at least the amount of variables as possible. Yeah. So I'm... If so, I'm, that's okay, fucking if I sad. Black because people you, have the most... <laughs> it's really sad what you just said because it's true. 60, 60 black people shot dead in a weekend in Chicago. No one cares. I mean, of course we care, but it's not shown. So it's just poop. Doesn't matter. Didn't happen. It's over. It never existed. You're, you know, that's very cynical. But fuck, you're right. And this is how we feel. I mean, like I, I say it nonchalantly, yeah. but it's a real sentiment because this, if sixty black, like you said, black people were brown, black and brown people in the shot in Chicago. Eh, it's just Chicago, but one white young woman gets shot. Then we have uh, uh, Susan's law. I mean, they get a whole law. It's like, hold on, now how does that work? Um, but you know, I mean, it is what it is. And I think that going back to my scientific method point is, if you want to test something, give me your healthiest population, which would be rich white. <laughs> liberal vegan <laughs> right. uh, people not medical will that, you know the, yeah they get <laughs> that gets on the you know the the, the pelotonic every day you know and rides in their right. uh, loft apartment they're the ones <laughs> should be getting the vaccine first <laughs> that's funny yeah the peloton Le- looking at each other across from their peloton penthouse apartments that's my favorite ad Exactly. Though they should be lined up around the block saying, you know what? Black lives matter. Give us the vaccine first. first. Yeah. That where that, are they now, that, now that's a move. <laughs> that's a that's a move I like. Where are they at? But no, it's if you ask me, yeah, we need a vaccine, we'd be the first to take it. No, I would not. <laughs> I'd like to see I'd like to see how it plays out. Um I'm still I'm still just, awestruck about the church and the school thing. <laughs> it's so evil but it's easy to think that way and i told i'm i'm you know well you know me uh, i'm the guy that plays the theremin but still it's like yeah. wow that's that's kind of for real now and to give a little background on bill gates i went and found this financial times uh clip with vanessa corda chaos i think that's how you pronounce it um and she talks about the population boom in uh, africa and uh and its implications of it 
The population of Africa is set to almost double by 2050, raising fears that progress in fighting poverty and disease will be reversed. So what can be done to ensure that poverty doesn't increase? And how can a disproportionately large youth population help drive progress? With me to discuss all of this and more is Bill Gates. Bill, are we at a turning point where regression is a real risk? Well, first, uh, the progress over the last several decades has been pretty amazing, both reducing childhood death, uh, getting kids in school, getting agricultural productivity up, and reducing extreme poverty. But it's really Africa that still has a doubling in population to 2050 and probably uh, another doubling to 2100 where you really have to do a good job if you're trying to get these extreme poverty rates down. So if we don't do better (laughs) in investing in human capital in Africa, yes, the uh, number of people in extreme poverty is actually going to go up. Should the solution or should more solutions be focused on slowing that growth? So, for example, increasing reproductive rights for women or spreading the access to contraceptives, because it seems that is it correct that no amount of investment can really keep pace with that population growth? Oh, my God. Bill Gates is he's all about <laughs> killing people. He's all, I mean, the way he says it is so elegant. I heard it right there. He's like, well, you know, it's going to, you know, vaccines, vaccines, be able, really a way to to help um, uh, slow that population growth. I mean, anyone, it, it comes out so easily, but the, I can't hear it any differently than you're, you're, you're having too much sex, too many babies, take this shot. One way or the other, it's going to slow down. Either you're going to be sterile or you're going to die. I mean, it's what other ways does this vaccine of his work? If it's not well, saving, the, uh, if it's well, supposed well, to save uh, you, you won't die from some horrible disease. So there'll be more people. And what they always say is, well, then uh, women won't have six children because they know two or three are going to die. That's their theory. And then the access to, um, oh yeah, reproductive choices. <laughs> choices. <laughs> Re- no reproductive rights. Reproductive yeah, rights. Yeah, re- oh, excuse me. Rights. I, yeah, rights. I excuse every, me. I think every woman has that right built right in. But they want to make it readily available, and then when you start saying, "Hold on, what? Well, let me dissect what you're saying, Bill." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you just, like you just so beautifully did. So what you're saying is, we got to give women the the right, the to right. choose, which they should have that. Yeah. <laughs> but then we're, uh, but we expect you to take that'll this slow shot. down. Yeah. <laughs> that, so, yeah. so what I hear? Let me just tell you what I hear when I hear this. We have to kill off the undesirables so the desirables can flourish. It's pretty much the way of the world, my friend. And this doesn't start with Africa. And this this is where, when we get to this point, this is where I took the hard wait, right wait a minute, left. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, the wait, let me guess. <laughs> Did you wind up at the Georgia Guidestones? No. Oh. But I, I, <laughs> okay. I, I could easily, <laughs> I could have easily ended up there, but yeah. Like you said, the way he nonchalantly just says it, oh yeah, we gotta, you know, we gotta kill some black people, so those, especially the lower kind. Yeah. Uh, so this, by so giving the, him the some rights, can, we're gonna give him some rights, <laughs> so you can die and everyone's happy. Reproductive rights and vaccination; those are the those are the two telltale signs of a eugenicist. It's what it is. What else how- is there? <laughs> that that is Margaret Sanger's uh, mo, and bring in some preachers. I mean, community. Um, what they call them? 
Community outreach. Community uh, outreach. Outreach, yes. It is just the a continuation. The yeah, a continuation <laughs> of the original Eugen- Eugenic Society of America. Now, finally recognized that Margaret Sanger, who was this, thus fa- the founder of Planned Parenthood, wasn't eugenicist. Mm-hmm. The whole idea was eugenics. And they weren't shy we're about get, it. We're going to get deeper into that and possibly humanize their thought process. No, uh, no, you, no, you go ahead, change my mind, Mo. This is going to be tough. No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying they're correct. I'm saying we're going to humanize how they actually get to that point and think they're doing good. Okay, that's that's because I me. Mean, it's easy to say, oh, they're eugenicists. They're evil, and just write them off that way. I don't want to. I I never want to do that no, to I anybody because I don't want that to. It this that goes back to one of the tenets of the show is. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. So even eugenicists have the right to be understood. And I'd like to pause for a moment. And last night, uh, I think it was Fox News or something. They played a bit from the DNC where the preacher was going off, and it was reminiscent of Jeremiah Wright. And it was all mm-hmm. positioned as which I had I had fallen for this along. I just wanted to highlight it because of the show when you played the Jeremiah Wright. Uh, clip the whole clip and in context you know it's such a such a misstatement the way they're categorizing this throughout history it's just it's it's, it's irksome and uh and it adheres to exactly what you said one of the tenets of the show yeah so bill gates continues on with the financial times about uh reproducing population what we do between now and 2050 with education, with uh, economic growth, uh, with health and nutrition, that'll really set the course uh, for moderating the population growth between 2050 and 2100. But it's really a virtuous cycle, letting women have uh uh, reproductive health tools that they want, you know, educating girls, raising <laughs> agricultural productivity, uh, getting these malnutrition interventions on a much uh, greater scale than we have today. Those are the things you would want to do anyway. It turns out that uh, by doing those well, you also uh, set the the population growth rate coming down quite a bit. And so uh, it just makes it that much more imperative that we invest in the human capital now and so that the challenge of what under any scenario will be fairly high population growth, uh, that you're able to benefit from all those young people uh, making a, a big contribution to their country. Oh, did you hear that little laugh that he's got when he talks about <laughs> killing people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says that they need reproductive tools. If you give them access that to they the want, tools, that they want, they want that they want it. Yeah, which they may, they may. I mean, As, who sure, knows? Sure, sure, sure. If your choices are, you know, and this is where we get into the class difference. Because you have people like a Dr. Tedros. He's from Eritrea. That used to be Ethiopia. That used to be the face of famine in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, He's from there. So he looks at and says, hey, I had a brother die from measles. I've seen seen, uh, hunger and uh, famine up up close and personal. Maybe it's better if those people that are starving were never born. I mean, that's how they, that's how they, I think they start to rationalize That's how, that's how he you, would rationalize it. Sure. I can see that. Although he may have changed then, by now. He's kind of elite. 
And then the young people they're talking about, they can leverage. They've been indoctrinating them with the Western schools for so long that this is second nature to them. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, let's get the young kids in on it. You know, give them the tools and their vaccines and you know, and, and everything will be all right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a crazy world. Um, so I went and found uh, Kevin Gates, a rapper and maybe a cousin of Bill Gates. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. uh, this is from the Rolling Stones and just to give you a sense of even in the hip hop community there have an anti-vaxxer tenant she's so special she don't even care to be honest with you she just she different she not like a I've been around other three old children I know why she's so accelerated She's never been vaccinated before. She's never had any vaccinations. So that's why she's so accelerated. She doesn't have mercury in her body and things of that nature. So my son also, they just, they different. They sit down like little people and just talk. I don't believe in conspiracy theories or anything like that. I'm just a cold-blooded investigator. What made me not want to get my children vaccinated was because I studied a lot about killing you know, bad enzymes and stuff in the body. And that's not an opening uh, through your skin. Your openings are your nose, your mouth. And you, I'm not, I ain't gonna say I'm against the needle. Look at all these tattoos, man. Man, oh shit. I look like an essay when I take my shirt off. I love that needle. I was in Whole Foods one day and they had like, after you get vaccinated, they had something else you're supposed to take. And I'm like, why would you need to take something to, to, after you've been helped already? <laughs> yeah, you know this episode Makes is sense to me. <laughs> yeah, this, this episode I'm sure may be triggering to a lot of people. Um, so I just want to recognize that, and because you know, I think Mo and I, you know, we've got well, we have uh, we kind of know where we stand on this. And uh, again, this is not an anti-vaxer uh, uh, show. But it's important that we look at all of these angles, and I think these, particularly these angles, are very, very, um, in this case, um, you can really benefit because, you know, black people go first, but it's the Africans first. So what they're doing there, they're going to do here to everybody eventually. I told you we always go first. Yes, yeah. Uh, this is a this is a tenant of the show. This is a tenant of the show. And maybe they use Africa because you have a um, a water wall <laughs> to stop just right. in case it goes crazy. You don't want to do it in the black community because like hey, they got to come clean my house and you know I got to get in there and fix my coffee at Starbucks. I don't want them coughing all over my cup, you know. But if you gonna do no. Nah, yeah, I I know I say these things in jest, but you have to, or you will go insane if you don't laugh at it. Of course, in a way, because because it's when that AIDS evil came to think around, about it. Yeah. yeah, when AIDS came around, we were like, "Where'd that come from?" Like, it just came out the blue. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not buying that. I mean, that was, that was one of Jeremiah, Jeremiah Wright's points about AIDS, where it came from, uh, and now you have rappers even saying. Bro, I'm not taking no vaccine. And he makes a great point. If yeah. your product's that great, why do I need to have a chaser to go yeah, with it? Exactly. I, I'm not understanding that. Mm-hmm. And anybody that gets upset with us questioning vaccines, this is how capitalism works. 
if your product is that great, <laughs> then it shouldn't be mandated that I have to yeah, take it. I will be seeking it. out. Right. Yep. If I, hey, if I see my neighbor took a vaccine and I didn't, I caught the flu and they didn't. I'm like, hey, 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 Bob, what'd you do? And he's like, hey, I took the flu shot. And I'm like, yep. really? And they're like, I haven't had the flu in four years. I might consider it. But every time everybody I talk to, they get oh sick man, when I they had a flu it. really bad that year. <laughs> yeah, my, my arm went numb. You know, I couldn't feel my fingers. <laughs> still like, hurts. Still hurts. You, still hurts. <laughs> yeah, you you yeah. took what? So that's the issue that we have is if we're saying that your product is that great, which they even say themselves they don't understand their product, and then they're even rolling out new products even before we're understanding their original products. That's scary. <laughs> That is a very scary um, place to be put in. And then they the, top it off with all that to be targeted because of your skin color. Yeah. That's a whole nother, you're saying that's a whole nother thing in itself. But it doesn't stop there with the rappers. <laughs> uh, Vlad, DJ Vlad, um, popular DJ and uh, ho- show host, he has Willie D from the Ghetto Boys on the show. Now, the first 40, one minute and 40 seconds is a question, or is it? Well, one of the things that seems to be a very polarizing issue on Vlad TV, whenever I've mentioned it, is Bill Gates and vaccinations. Now, I, I read an article, I believe it was in The Atlantic, where Bill Gates said that he's working on seven different vaccines right now for coronavirus. And he's actually building the factories of all seven, knowing that only probably two of them will actually work. So he's going to throw away billions of of dollars of his own money because it's so important to speed up the production. If you wait until, okay, this is the one that's gonna work, now we're gonna run and build the factory, you're gonna waste months and a lot of people are going to die in the process. So he's actually throwing away billions of dollars to make sure that more people survive. Bill Gates has given away more money than anybody, I think, in human history. But you always see this. I'm not going to take the Bill Gates vaccine. Uh, you always just the, you know, the theories, the conspiracy theories that Bill Gates went down to Africa and, and vaccinated a bunch of African kids and all of them got paralyzed. And, and there's some sort of evil uh underlying mission of of Bill and Melinda Gates. Me personally, I'm vaccinated right now for the flu. When all this started, I talked to my doctor. I said, should I get the flu shot? He said, absolutely. I went down to the local CVS. I got a flu shot. When this vaccine comes out, I'm going to go ahead and get the vaccine. What's your take on vaccines? (laughs) Did you hear that question? I mean, like he was basically bootlicking uh, Bill Gates couldn't he's get like, much oh, better yeah, than that. And I mean, are you kidding me? This is confirmed, documented. This is, I think, even the WHO has information on on what happened with these kids with bad vaccines. And it was Clinton Global Health Initiative that was there. They they did some crappy deal. It's all it's all lame. It's horrible. And he said he said two things in that clip. He said one, every time I bring this topic up, it's polarizing. Yeah. Well, and then he turned around and says, I always hear, no, that I'm not taking it to be polarizing. I mean, just from my definition of it, if I ask a group of people, roughly half will be on one end of the spectrum and then the other half will be on the other end of the spectrum, which, you no, know, 
speaks to the word polar polarizing. You have right. two poles, but <laughs> yes. then you turn around and say everybody is not taking it. Come, I mean, is is it clear we don't want the vaccine? But he has this finger on the vein of hip hop. He has one of the most popular shows in hip hop, and he's going to use his platform to push being vaccinated. I'm not doing it. Really? I do believe that the vaccines are responsible for this influx of autism in the black community and, and this disproportionate influx of autism. We didn't have these type of issues in our community 20 years ago. All of a sudden they're doing all these vaccines and look, and it, this is not just, in my opinion, it's not just a theory that was a worker at the CDC, a doctor from the CDC who actually blew the whistle on this and said that they knew 10 years before they admitted that uh, that those vaccines were causing autism disproportionately in black kids, black boys specifically. So I don't trust the vaccines. I never did. Uh, well, I take that back. I did at one point. I used to, I tried getting vaccinated for, you know, I tried to get the flu shot uh, a couple of years in a row. And each time I got it, I actually got sick and I had these horrible symptoms and it wasn't like one or two days. It was like a couple of weeks. And I was like, shit, I'll take my chances. <laughs> rather than just injecting me and making me sick, I'd rather just take my chances. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Mm -hmm. I'd rather mm -hmm. just take my chances uh, because you hear people getting sicker from the flu shot. And or are you here on the news? Uh, if you took a flu shot here at, uh, you know, Whole's Food, come back. Even though you got a bad batch, we need to give you another one. I'm like, one of my problems with the flu shot is who administers it. They give flu shots everywhere. It's like you, you stop the Jiffy Lube, get your oil changed. Why don't you get your flu shot while, you, while you're waiting? Like, Compa no, companies have uh, have them come into the into the into the company and uh, get your flu shots and. Yeah, it's it's very troubling. So before we play this next, just, just, just one other thing. Say yeah, one yes. other thing about the autism. Many vaccines. If you read the uh, the little uh, insert that comes in with every every medication, every vaccine, it actually says that can be one of the side effects. There you go with your misinformation, Adam. <laughs> okay. All righty. <laughs> you're, you're peddling misinformation. I, I know. I know. That's, that's how they just, that's how they box you in, right? They just throw you. Uh, and I think that's why, um, that's why I think that um, Rolling Stones interviewed uh, Kevin Gates because he's seen as somewhat of a, you know, a troll. Mm -hmm. So they were like, if you if you think like this, you think like Kevin Gates kind right. of thing. Of course, well, I don't think of course. Was, they always so that, that was job. like you're guilt you're guilty by association. Yep. Before we play this next clip, we had to get a trigger warning because the next gentleman is a M5M untouchable. So <laughs> we have to do this. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Now your attention, please. Trigger warning has been activated. We're over an hour into the show. Now we have the trigger warning. Okay, I can't well, wait. It's because whenever we play at M5 Untouchable, we have to do that because, like, there's some new listeners and they just might totally yeah, write off true. what they hear next. <laughs> okay, that's true. All right. So don't take their vaccines. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
There are 14 therapies that are in the world today that we can use to fight against the COVID virus. America, you won't solve it. The scientists of the world, you won't solve it. Guess what? I want to tell you what will solve it. You ready? Yes, sir. This virus is a pestilence from heaven. Yes, sir. So scholarship from hell can't deal with a pestilence that came from heaven. (laughs) Wow, that's an interesting take. So that's Minister Louis Farrakhan. Farrakhan, sure. So now we have a Southern, uh, soon-to-be Christian preacher (laughs) and Minister Louis Farrakhan on the same path of don't take the vaccine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I would love to see them, t- those two sit down and have a conversation why do and you, do the work. Now, why? Now, well, here's a question. So looking at the uh, eugenicist movement in, in America, historically, and uh, this has come up in, in the beginning on the show, mm-hmm. uh, the, the community outreach would be the ministers. Just put a reverend someone in front of someone's name and they're to be trusted and they're going to tell you what's going on and what we're going to do. And if I'm not mistaken, there were documents. I, th- I think it was actually Planned Parenthood documents, wasn't it? Was it or um, yes, Eugenic Society pre- of America? Get, yeah, yeah, make sure you get the reverence, get the preachers in there. Yes. So now we have the opposite. Is this because many preachers know how that went down and recognize what's happening and saying, "Aha, well, we're, we're not, to- I'm not going to fall for that one." Well, a lot of preachers, and I don't want to cash, you know cast a two out of a net, but a large sum of churches receive what they have, the 501c3, which is the government right. tax break. Yeah, not yet. Which if you start saying the wrong things, legally, they can come in and put the pressure on you. Unless you're, and a the, lot of preachers unless you're Scientology, then it's okay. Right. So a lot of preachers don't want to even run that risk. Of being put on that radar because once, like right. I said, like I, I've said before, once you're on the IRS's radar, you never get off. So I think that's part of the reason why you don't hear too many speaking out. And it's only the people on the fringes in which the fringes really right. represent the people that they're trying to get rid of in the first place. Let's just be honest. Now we're getting to the eugenics conversation because we clearly can see they're trying to eliminate certain classes of people whether it be racially or economically or intelligence wise or whatever, whatever they're whoever whoever they have a better way to trick. Correct. So this is where the the rabbit hole took the hard right or hard left. (laughs) How you want to say it? All right. This, this next set of clips is from David Hoffman, which he, he is a uh, archivist and filmmaker. Uh, He had this video on the book called Safe Council, which was printed in 1923, uh, and it supported the idea of eugenics and believed in phrenology, which is that's the study or pseudoscience uh, studying of the skull and the inferior races. And this is kind of leads to what Nick Cannon was talking about from one angle of it. Ah, Yes. Certain groups of people who think other groups of people are inferior Mm -hmm. on, on, on whatever the criteria is. Uh, but let's just hear David Hoffman talk about the uh, Safe Council. Hello, subscribers. Hello, others. It's David Hoffman, a filmmaker. 
about to talk about a book. Safe Counsel. What would you think Safe Counsel is about? This version is from 1923, but there were hundreds of printings of this starting in about 1893. Safe Counsel. It's about eugenics. It's about marrying a person who will produce children that are of the highest quality. What a story. Let me just give you some of the things you need to know before you hear what the book advises you to do. Pardon me for using notes because I'm not really a teacher, but I can't remember all these hilarious things. What is eugenics? Eugenics is a term designed to repair the racial qualities for future generations physically and mentally and to sterilize those who don't meet those qualities. Sterilize. Yick. Hello, Moderna. <laughs> wow. Hello, reparations. <laughs> Hey, at least it's tangible. Just, what are you complaining he, he about? Just, he just said repair. Eugenics yeah. is, I mean, in their mind, they're saying we're helping their, we're strengthening their race. We're removing all the undesirables. Ooh, uh, ooh, that is good. Reparations. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's one way of interpreting that's, it. That's the, that's the root cause. I mean, that's the root of the word reparation is to repair, right? So it's. Hey, we're fixing their race. We're getting rid of all the, you know, all the impurities, um, all the things that's yeah. wrong. Oh, mo, and just holy crap! For people to humanize uh, eugenics for a moment, we've seen it in play in the movie um, Forrest Gump, but we didn't really realize it because Forrest Gump's IQ fell right under that threshold, and he would have been a clear candidate for being sterilized in that time period, right? Or maybe earlier. And he's like, boy, your mama sure love your education. His mama had to <laughs> step in and make sure he went to a proper public school. Right. I mean, we see these things right in our front of our face, but we don't know how to interpret it. Uh, speaking of movies, um, David Hoffman, he plays a clip from a movie, but he didn't say where it was from. But the time period is like early 20s, I believe. That shows how eugenics was right out in the open, even in mainstream media. You better tell her so she'll understand. Well, we thought it necessary to present your family's case to the State Medical Commission. After an examination, they decided there was but one important action to take. To have your entire family sterilized. Why, what's that? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we investigated your family's history, Alice. And most of the past three generations have been feeble-minded. Congenital cripples or habitual drunkards. Instead of improving, each generation is more of a problem. Now, in this state, we have a law which provides for such people to have an operation so there won't be any more children. I see. Now, we place your brothers in institutions where they'll be properly cared for. You can go back to your job soon. I'll arrange to have it held open for you. But I'm keeping my job. I'm not going anywhere. Now, you're going to the hospital too, Alice. But there's nothing wrong with me. Perhaps not. You wouldn't want to marry this fine young man and be ashamed of the children you had. And you mean they're going to stop me from having children ever? Exactly. <sighs> it's, uh, it made me think of something. Mm -hmm. um, I remember my mom, she had three kids, and it wasn't so much that there was a decision, I don't want to have kids anymore. Because I was old enough to to understand why she was going to the to the hospital and what was happening, and I right. 
I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I was young. But I remember it was more like the patriotic thing to do. 2.3 children was, that's what I remember. I, these are the, you know, the things you remember oh, from okay. your childhood. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it was, yeah. So somehow she had received the messaging that, you know, 2.3 children is really, is really what you should be doing. And uh, to her, it was like, okay, I want to do my duty. I've done my duty. I've done what I had to do. Procreate, and, and, and I got to stop so that we don't. And this is in the, in the days of, the population bomb is another this is another book uh that was that and it, the, some of the people who are touting climate change today are still from the population bomb uh group so this none of this is is really old and ancient it's still fresh and obviously it's still with us it's very fresh and as you heard in that clip you, you, he, their brothers are feeble-minded. They don't deserve to have babies. Um, and you, she said, you're perfectly fine. But think about, would you want to have your husband have cho- you and your husband have children, and they end up like your, you know, your lineage, right? And which is a clear attack on lineage, which you know I'm a big proponent of. Oh my, so it really oh my goodness! Wait, wait, I, wait! I just give give one one more example, and then I'll shut up. This this has also been slipped into, and I'm not saying, I'm not making any medical qualifications here. The BRCA breast cancer gene, the BRCA, B-R-E-C-A. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. There were women who, and today are like, I've tested for the gene. I'm having a full mastectomy just in case because, you know, it's in my lineage. It's in my heritage. My mom had it. And they got the community outreach from Angelina Jolie, who did not have breast cancer, but she tested positive for the BRCA gene. It's that by itself, that whole testing for the gene was a whole nother story. Um, and believe it or not, it, it got so good that um, to, to this day, I believe if you're tested for the BRCA gene, uh, Medicare will pay for your reconstructive surgery. So if you're looking for, and. I know I have no business talking about this necessarily because I don't, I'm not an owner of this type of equipment, but there are a lot of stories of women who's like, okay, this is a great way to get a a boob job. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if (laughs) we have our own equipment, if you know, you can get a lift there, here, there, (laughs) to get older, you know? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, it's kind of low, you know what I'm saying? Hey, I got ten years on you, Mo. What are you, what are you talking yeah, I'm, about? I'm just, no, I'm just saying. I mean, if, if if men could take advantage of that, we would uh, for cosmetic purposes in, probably, in any way. So probably, I don't, I don't think it's any different. But what strikes me is their pitch to her was, you don't want to pass on your bad genes yep. with with your husband to the next generation. And now the solution they have is we can go into your DNA and carve that bad boy out. Yep. And it'll pass it on to your kids where it'll never be an issue again. I find these very striking in, in, in a way that I, 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 it leaves me speechless. It's like, what are we doing here? It's like COVID, like the opening of the door of yes. designer baby, designer children. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a COVID uh, is a cover-up. It's a cover-up. It's a cover-up for DNA splicing gene manipulation or DNA manipulation gene splicing. Uh, right. And uh, and because it's perfect. I mean, if you think it's, it's perfect, it kills yeah. off all the old people with their all their old old ideas and yep. traditions. Got rid of them. Uh, it gets rid of all the weak. 
I mean, if you have comorbidities or any birth defects, it kind of eliminates those people. And then we could, you know, get everybody else to get their jacked up DNA, um, you know, and it is what it is. That is, it's crazy. It, wow. The people, the people po- think, the it p- makes my head hurt to think like them. The possibilities are <laughs> endless. So this is where I got to the killer wasp. <laughs> so that meant doing something so that you could no longer have children because your children would be inferior as you were. You were inferior. The children were inferior. We wanted to make America the kind of highest quality children that you could produce, which these folks and many folks, including Rockefeller, Ford, Teddy Roosevelt, the first Roosevelt president and others believed were white people who didn't have mental deficiencies, depression or were of the ethnicities that many felt were not equal to white people. The purpose was to create a strong America, to improve the stock of America. But this won't be a surprise to you. There were people who used this sterilization thing to punish others. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Gee, so there's gambling this, going on there. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> so this is the wasp. So what I mean by wasp is I'm not talking about the bug here. I know what you're talking, talking about. I'm talking about now. the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant Male, I mean, Protestant, but then male is a part of that as well. So that was the standard. Uh, and then all the ethnic groups fell under that. The same groups that he highlighted there, the Rockefellers, the Carnegie's, the Ford Foundation, blah, 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 fill in the blank, were the same ones funding HBCUs at the same time. Because they said, oh, there's some, you know, there's some redeemable black folks, you know, about 10%. Oh, that's where the town that Tim came from. So they put up the money to build these uh, institutions of higher education to be basically magnets to draw out the the smarties, uh, the smarties, you know, to these magnets. And then they indoctrinated them with their uh, way of thinking. And then they went back and pushed it back the, the, to be a minister or a doctor you have to go and, to school and right? and throwback <laughs> throwback brown paper bag test you had to be smart but you also couldn't be too dark too dark uh, yeah up to 1970s uh, according to uh beyonce daddy uh, uh matthew knows i mean he said it himself yep so these practices went on and this is how i mean I, i'm i'm i know it's like kind of a, not it's not a stretch but how did he get there from here we have to understand the thought process of people like bill gates now he's not necessarily a wasp but wasp represents a certain culture in america and that's like what when you say white that's what a lot of the people mean by when they say when they say white and protestant is important because even the catholics like was the number one target of the kkk Back in the day, even more than Jewish people. Right. I mean, we you wouldn't know that now, but I mean, it, it, it is what it is. It's the truth. Uh, well, I found this nameless clip. It's unknown. I don't know who the guy was. It's a 30 second clip when I was searching wasp. And this came up white Anglo-Saxon Protestant one. Eugenicists, like most social theorists, embraced a concept of the ideal man as being white, of 
Anglo-Saxon and Protestant background. Someone who is physically, socially, and morally fit to their way of thinking. Anyone who did not fit into that formula became somewhat suspect. On the wasp, yeah. on the wasp bit, I'll just just to give mm-hmm. you a little more. The uh, CIA pretty much exists of well, it's changed over the years. Not the same CIA as it used to be, but it's all right. wasp. That's like well, they they would say we're Catholics in action, CIA, but wasp that was it. Waspy guys, you're in the CIA. And like I said, wasp the Protestant part is kind of flexible. Yeah, even the white part is kind of flexible. Uh, it's the it's the mentality, thought culture. process. Yeah. The, the culture is that's why you can see a Barack Obama be a wasp. Sure. He was he, he was a wasp. I mean, it is what it is, even though he didn't look the part. And that's even better. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you have the mind of, of a wasp, but we can use you to get in certain spaces to be a um, what was the term they used? A um, we just heard it a while ago. Um, uh, community outreach. Right. Community outreach, community organizers, it's all there. I yep, mean, that's, that's uh, it right one, there. Boom. In one package. So now we have to go back. This is where we have to go back and like use a couple of throwback clips because we have to see what America was originally set up to be. And this is according to one Abraham Lincoln himself. The title on the book is Abraham Lincoln's White Dream. What's that mean? It means that. Contrary to what most people think, Abraham Lincoln's deepest desire was to deport all black people and create an all-white nation. It sounds like a wild idea now, and it is a wild idea, but from about 1852 until his death, he worked feverishly to try to create deportation plans, colonization plans uh, to send black people either to Africa or to South Africa, South America or to the islands of the sea. On December the 1st, 1862, in which he asked Congress to pass three constitutional amendments, one to buy the slaves, second to, to declare free all people who had actually escaped, but the third one, his proposed 15th amendment, Ask Congress to allocate money to deport black people to another place. <laughs> you know, they didn't teach me that in school. This is a hoax. That can't be right, Mo. <laughs> That's according to Mr. Leron Bennett Jr. It, it always cracks me up uh, when Trump talks about Lincoln. I'm I'm the best thing that happened to to African Americans since uh, Lincoln, and that's kind of questionable. <laughs> he knows. He knows. I mean, he, knows. He, da- he dabbles in conspiracies. I mean, <clears throat> so <clears throat> he had to come across this information. So if we're looking at it through the lens of America was set up to be this white nation, and to really, you have to understand how America was created. America was looked at as not the place to be for for a long time but the people that came here made it into what it was Mm -hmm. and it's like we'll show the rest of the world we'll create a white beacon for the rest of the world to see what we've done i'm i'm just kind of you know paraphrasing the american history there but that's how i see it and so whiteness was really synonymous with american 
It's yeah. like if you really want to be American or white, you have to show these certain traits. Uh, and then they start to graph people in and it's like, okay, well, we'll take this group in, you know, they show good moral, uh, underpinnings. Let's let them into the white group, you know, and it's continuously group after group after group that they're indoctrinated. And then if you're not let in, say for instance, I'm just going to use Italians for instance, the upstanding. And I remember watching Sopranos and I know that's a bad <laughs> <laughs> but just follow me follow yeah, me here i'm from jersey yeah, i'm good yeah that, that's that's the point i'm going there the upstanding italians like scoffed at like the traditional italians of like how, how, how do you eat meatballs and spaghetti that's so uh that's so stereotypical i right. mean i'm just throwing stuff out yeah, there but I'm just, yeah. that's how they look at it so i mean you had this even in the black community because when blacks came from the south north the black people that were northerners would say, you can't do that. You can't sit on your front porch eating watermelons. That <laughs> makes us look terrible. Right, I mean, right. who doesn't like watermelon on a hot day? But that it's, it's the you're you're blocking us from getting our whiteness. Right. Uh, and what do they do with uh, people that don't conform to, quote unquote, American whiteness? They make them a subgroup like Jersey Shores. It's like, forget about it. You know <laughs> yeah, what I'm yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Or every yeah. group is this subgroup. The Italians, the uh, Irish, you have upstanding sure. Irish people. And then you have the stereotypical Irish people that go down to the pub and, well, you know, how, drink. How about, how about Texas is a great example. You know, yeah, and, you know, and, you've got some real, you know, down home redneck boys who, you know, who are just as bad as you think they are, but it's probably not the majority. And that has a very telltale. It com- comes from their roots. You got to see who made up Texas. I mean, yeah, when you go course. way back, I mean, I, I'm not talking about 19. I'm talking about like 1800s. Mm-hmm. Who first went to Texas? What kind of group of people were they? You know, that's where and that's why it's different. Texas to California. They, people like they're both out west. Nah, they're, they're totally different because of the people that made them up. So we so when we're talking about whiteness, now we have to get into the one drop rule nah. to understand even more why whiteness is important to America. In the years following the abolition of slavery, some Americans feared a rise in interracial relationships. So states began passing laws to make sure that any child with a Negro and a white parent could be considered black and denied the rights of white people. In other words, a child with even one drop of Negro blood would be classified as Negro. This became known as the one drop rule, a standard ruled unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1967. This and the hardships of racism also caused African Americans to pass, pretend they were white without ever telling their families, leaving a lot of whites not knowing they had black blood. But some experts on race relations say the legacy of the one-drop rule still exists in today's culture. (laughs) I love that. That's so funny. So that explains the one-drop rule. If you're born with this birth defect of blackness... It's like, oh no, you can't be in the club. I mean, that's that's how these people looked at. And it's very... These people are very cut and dry... Uh, when we get into the, uh, and now, like I said, I'm not casting Spurgeon on any. I'm c- talking about the group Wasp, but like I talk about Black Ink or sure. any sure. other. I'm just letting people know that if you're white, happen to be white, Anglo-Saxon, and a Protestant, we're not talking not about necessarily you. you. <laughs> no, we're talking about the product that was created 
because we always talk about products, right? MLK the product, um, you know, all these different products, even Jesus Christ the product. Sure. I mean, uh, we, we, we separate them from the people. And WASP is a product of that's where we want to aspire. What they say, we want it, you know, the best genetics possible. Um, so I found this interesting clip was actually a, a short movie from the ni- 1957. And it talks about social class in America are social classes pre uh, predetermined. You born American babies. Newborn citizens of these United States, free and with rights guaranteed by the Constitution. But let's take a closer look. These new arrivals in a typical American town have equal legal rights. In class, they are not equal at all. Each has a social status handed on to him by his family, described to him at birth. Meet Guilford Ames III, the latest addition to one of the town's upper-class families. Guilford Ames II is the wealthiest man in town. He owns a large factory. The Ames is one of the oldest families in the community. And so it represents as well as wealth. <laughs> I love those old clips. <laughs> so, good. so the Ames family is the, uh, the wasp. Yeah, and like this, we're talking solely white people. This is 1957, and they said just because they were born with the same rights, <laughs> their class is totally different. And they lay out the other two, other two classes: the middle class and then the the lower class. And they they go on to talk about how um how the how the Ames family you know remained to be you know the the ruling class. Mm-hmm. Um, and and with that said, I have. A clip on the ideology of the ruling elite from Noam Chomsky. It's a very important book that came out about it that you ought to take a look at. It's called The Crisis of Democracy. It's published by the Trilateral Commission. Trilaterals, Europe, United States, Japan, the three industrial democracies. The concern of the book is that there's too much democracy. The concern about the fact that in the 60s, in all the industrial world, uh, there were all, uh, popular, popular uprisings of one sort or another. Uh, the participants said is we have to have more moderation in democracy. Uh, these people have to go back to where they belong. You know, just being observers, passive, let the serious people run things and so on. Uh, and in particular, they were concerned about students, of course, because there were student activism all over. And uh, what they argued was that, I'm now using their words, not mine, that the institutions responsible for the indoctrination of the young failed. The schools, the universities, the churches, they were not carrying out appropriate indoctrination of the young. And something has to be done to reverse this. Oh, my. (laughs) They're not doing it right. Oh, my goodness. So that's when you had the counterculture come in and what he's talking about in the 1960s and 70s. The counterculture came in, but then the, 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 the alphabet boys or the you know federal agents hijacked the, the counterculture movement sure. with, with uh, Laurel, Ca- uh, Laurel Cavern and uh, then, uh, what is it called? Um, where all the birds and all the rock stars came from the same uh, place in California. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was, it was uh, the- Laurel, Laurel Canyon. 
Well, Laura Canyon, that's mm-hmm. it. Thank yep. you. Yep. Uh, and and they mysteriously all had military industrial uh, complex parents. Uh, then you get into the MK Ultra kind of thing. Yeah, then you get into but, Manson. There's <laughs> all kinds of stuff connected to that. So w- the point I'm getting to here is, as I made this statement in the last show, that we cover the wars that are raging right now, the race war, the um, the real generational wars. war, the real and wars, the ge- and, the, and the gender war. And somebody on YouTube, I forget your name, made a good point, and they said they're all one war. It's a cultural war, but they're not. And they expanded my thought. That's why I like interacting with people. And I was like, oh, it's the same war, but we're fighting on different fronts, D- kind of like World War Two. Yeah, we had, you know, we had the East, um, the Asian front, and you know, I had the European um, front. So you have all these different things. So what I'm pointing out here is there's a race war, but it's actually a white civil war. Follow me. Okay. It's always been a white civil war because white people of the wasp status. Look at, and this is not my word, and it's going to be later explained why I use it. They look at white trash as undesirable and need to be getting gotten rid of. Deplorables. Now, if you Deplorables, take, if you ta- Deplorables. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take a segment of Negroes with them, that's fine. If you take a segment <laughs> of Hispanics with them, that's fine. But what we have to do, you, you always wonder, like, why did it... Why, don't they know they're going to affect their own people? Then it dawned on me one day. It's not their no, people. No, they're calling. Yes. They're calling their, their own race. Mm-hmm. And if it takes down others with it, so be so it. Be I it. mean, that's why I always say it starts with us first, not realizing that if we just fall in that demographic, they'll run the test on us to affect the demographic they're really trying to get rid of. And the demographic they're really trying to get rid of is the deplorable, is the Trump voter, which in the 1920s, 1910s, early, uh, late 1800s was the white trash. And you really have to read the book by um, Nancy uh, Eisenberg by the same name, uh, White Trash. Author Nancy Eisenberg is a professor of history at Louisiana State University, and welcome to you. Well, thanks for having me. I think what hit me most is the idea that the poor have not only been accepted, but expected that it's a part of our national DNA. That's the argument you're making? Well, I think one of the things we forget is that for half of our history, we were an agrarian nation. So white trash really comes out of notions of rural poverty. And it goes all the way back to British ideas because in the colonial period and well into throughout the 19th century, the mark of being a successful America was being a property owner. And what we've forgotten is that large numbers of Americans did not own property. For example, in Thomas Jefferson's Virginia, at the time of the revolution, 40% of white men were landless. So when you refer to white trash, I just want to be clear, mm-hmm. and, and, and the idea of white trash, literally the, the term was used, uh, the terms like waste, who, who do you mean? Yes, the the word white trash, at least as far as we've been able to discover, was first appeared in newspaper print in the 1820s. But it has a much older meaning, because if we go back to some of the leading promoters of British colonization, when they imagined what were they going to do with the new world, the new world, first of all, was imagined as a wilderness, what they called a wasteland. And it was the perfect place for literally dumping the idle poor. And these were referred to as waste people. 
<laughs> they have waste it. people. Man, had waste that people. One. That is nasty. So we have to look at America, how it was created. It's not that long Same ago. Australia. It's not that long with ago, the, Mo. It's not that long and, ago. And these are the these are the strongholds of WASP, right? Australia, America. What were they? Australia was a penal colony, yep. a penal colony that they got all their trash, not my words, yep. all their waste, waste people, and pumped it out, pumped it out to Australia. Same thing in America. A lot of white people came to America not on the Mayflower, but on transportation ships sent here as their uh, sent here as their punishment for being criminals back in Europe. So when they came here. This is this is where when you're doing the work <laughs> and this is why I did, this is why I did this uh, episode the way I did it. <laughs> when white people say to other white people, you're privileged and a white person's like, bro, I'm from rural Kentucky. You know, I had one pair of shoes for three years. I mean, they give you that story, right? Yeah. And then you compare them to a Barack Obama that went to a $90,000 a year school or 40000 whatever the number was. And you're like, hold on, I have more privilege than him? What are you saying? Because it's, it's a very nuanced conversation. This is why reparation is a non-starter for a lot of people. It's like, why do I have to pay those people? You know, when my ancestors had it harder than their ancestors, you know, or I was poorer than them. The problem with that is, is this, and now let me retort that argument. If I go to Germany right now and become a German citizen, they're going to say, well, you have to pay Holocaust victims uh, reparations, right? That's what all German citizens do. I can't say, hey, I, I wasn't here in night, you know, in, in, uh, during Hitler's reign. Mm. Why do I have to pay? I'm a citizen of a country that owes a debt. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you have to pay. It has not, it's not personal. And I understand that you have people of different colors that are higher or lower on that spectrum. It's not about the conversation or reparation is not about that. It's about a certain group of people was uh, system systemically oppressed through laws from that nation nation and they're owed something. So that's, that's all it is to it. So I hope I hope we aren't because what I'm trying to do is remove this these layers off so people can understand like yeah there was white people that lived in the south that were actually poor they were work to be honest with you a poor white person was at one time in this country seen as less than a free black man. Now, if it's you very, it, it yes. don't work for the narrative, yes, it yeah. don't work for the narrative. Well, if you, <laughs> I mean, that, if, that's the reality. Uh, you can probably Google this. I'll see if I can put it in the show notes. A lot, lot of show mm. notes for this episode, by the way. We also include the clips. Um, if you look at who is connected to who, mainly by marriage, in politics, uh, mainstream media, really, you know, yeah, the media apparatus, which includes Hollywood, it, you'll go nuts. I mean, it's literally people are married <laughs> to people, press agents inside the White House, uh, top of ABC News, and these networks... That's and those are the people, by the way, who are telling you that you're all, we're all racist, telling me that I'm racist, I'm no good. Uh, they're calling people deplorable. These are the white privileged and go to Harvard, Yale, the other Ivy League schools. They're the ones. 
They and are you the know ones. who's worse than them? You know who are worse than the, the actually ones that were born into privilege? The ones seeking privilege. Yeah, who, who claw because their way they're up. From these, they're from these uh, lower class families. I mean, we, we really, America has a caste system. Let's just be honest here. Sure. America has a caste system, and these people are from the lower caste, but they have upward mobility. So they take advantage of, up, of their open mobility. And what do they do? They pass. We've talked about passing mm-hmm. before, but we mm-hmm. talked about it in a racial sense. Now we're talking about it in a class sense because a lot of those people you see on MSNBC, if you follow them home, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not talking about to their apartment in Manhattan. I'm talking about home, home. Yeah. Uh, like Bill Clinton, for instance. Look at, look at Bill Clinton. Yeah. Bill Clinton would be seen as a wasp, right? Mm-hmm. But if you follow his, him home and look at the other Clintons, his mom and dad and those kind of people, they will be considered white trash. So I'm telling you, what we're in the middle of right now has nothing to do with black people. Nothing no, at all. No, you're being this abused. Is a white, <laughs> this is a white civil war. And what brought me to this realization, I'm just going to wow. give you a little. That's pretty a, deep, little, though. That's pretty deep. <laughs> I'm going to give you a little example of it. Now, I live on a not dead. I'm probably a dead end. I've never been all the way to the other end of the road, but I don't think it has outlet. So there's no through traffic. But one guy has a Trump sign up. <laughs> and then the other guy, first he has, I mean, they're neighbors too, right oh, next door. Oh, yeah, I've and, seen this. You know, this. This is Austin. Austin I'm is seeing this. it play. I'm seeing it play out. Yeah. So one guy has out, wrote out the turd on November 3rd, right, sign. And then the other guy go gets more Trump signs. And then this the other guy, and let's call neighbor one, neighbor two. So neighbor one is the <laughs> is the is the liberal. Neighbor yeah. two is the is the um the flag waving Trump. Uh, conservative. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's the conservative. So they're having sign wars. So one guy, when we first pulled up, I'm like, I, first sign I see is truth matters. I'm like, okay, I see what he's about. And then like down the road, I see Trump signs. So I'm like, okay. Um, and I'm just watching this sign war <laughs> and they're not doing it for anybody. Cause no, you know, I think there's one. Well, wait, well, wait, 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 yeah, should, shouldn't they start be pretty soon? They'll be fighting over who's your friend. That I, you know what I've stayed out of it. I'm just I'm just sitting. <laughs> you back. can wait I'm, for it. You I'm can wait for how, it. <laughs> Let me get that black guy I'm in here. How Let me get him on my side. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm watching how it plays out. So the truth matter sign shows up first, then the Trump sign, and then the the vote out the turd on November third sign shows up. Then more Trump and Pence signs, yeah. and then the liberal neighbor one <laughs> trumps them all with the Black Lives Matter official sign. I mean official. Like he has the the black and yellow, and he had put spotlights oh, on it. Yeah. I mean, this is right across the street, and yeah. I'm like, I'm sitting here like, this is a friggin' civil war. This is how it started last time. I mean, we say it jokingly, but this is how it started last time because two groups of people, neither one of them owned slaves, used a topic of slavery as you know to as call, the as the gauntlet yeah. it was th- it, it was thrown down like you know and and what they really want to do is call their their group own within their mm-hmm. within their group but it's like i have to use the pity of black people to do it you know i have to use racism to shame you to change your mind and what really is the problem here is the more liberal people aren't having kids oh no kidding they're having while, dogs while the conservatives are having the children. Yeah. So now it's like, how do we indoctrinate the children? 
RNA. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you you're so horrible. You're so bad. That I love it. I, I, so I, this, this, go, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, but this is what's playing out. And I'm just sitting back like I'm being, I'm going to pull it, not me personally, but I'm, and I assume they didn't expect to have black neighbors. Uh, I I'm, I'm, I didn't say they wouldn't assume, but this is just the way it played out. I'm like, wow. Like I'm just witnessing this racial civil war happening. It's very fascinating. <laughs> and, really and, and to add to that, what is one side of the white equation doing? They're, they are smashing and breaking the other side, the rich side. Yes. We're going out and we're going to smash some uh, high-end windows, Gucci and, uh, and Tesla, and which is also, that, that, that part is new when it comes to street riots because that's not really what's going on. This is very astute. I, yeah, so I, that's what <laughs> I too have thought about the privilege uh, just because clearly we know now that this white privilege, white fragility is bull crap. Um, mm-hmm. It really is a class war. But that still leaves well, a couple things. Well, I just want to say that it leaves a couple things go, open go when you're accused of when people accuse me of privilege. I have a new answer. What's that? I do. I have parent privilege. I grew up with two parents. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, and, I and I suffer from the same privilege. Exactly. Uh, so, exactly. So maybe that's why we can identify. <laughs> yeah, with I each think other. so. I think but, so. That's what it is. I will say, privilege does exist, and in this, in, in this, in this way, with passing. Yeah. Whether it's uh, you're passing from. Not my term. I want to make sure when I use this term, it's not my words. This is uh, Nancy Eisenberg's term, white trash. Mm-hmm. You can easily pass into waspism or white, a white, a being white, the real, the real aspect of being white or, or if you have light skin, we've seen that. We talked Corey, about that, that you can pass into privilege or, or the woman that grew up all life and not realized that she was <laughs> Rachel, uh, Dolezal. You know, Rachel Dolezal. Right. Yeah. So there is a privilege, but it's, it's a very nuanced conversation. The way people throw it around, that's not that that helps nobody. Agreed. What we have to do is sit down because there's people that I've encountered in life and they tell me their story and they are so called white people and it's like I would not trade with you in a million years. <laughs> right, right, right. Um and just being black itself, I would not want to be changed e- even if it allowed me to be be privileged because when I wear this skin, this is the same skin that my my forefathers wore. It makes me part of that. I mean, like it's it's it home. Is what it, I'm, it's home. It's, it's home. It's, it's me. It's yeah. me. All I am is just a continuation of that same. That's why I call it lineage. Just, I'm just a continuation of it. But, yes, Mo. But we can make you better with the RNA vaccine. Your children will be much better, and your children's children right. will be fantastic. <laughs> we can make you say ass. <laughs> we can get that. <laughs> All right, Doc, Dr. Mo. Uh, we have a very important modification to the gene pool here. So finally, we'll get these people to say ask instead of axe. This is all we've needed. Yeah. It'll fix the world. Oh, my God. So, Dr. So Bill, what, help the, us. <laughs> so we've been right on top of this thing for the longest. And it just um, solidified with when I re-listened to the Trick Baby clip. Ah, it's one of my faves. Uh, it's you liberals who have lifted them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. 
You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard, you liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Oh, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. No, no, we have to move them up. If we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. Uh, no, thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, he's become one of us. And that was what, 1975, 76? 1974. Not, not even that long ago. Now, so let's take the ra- racial aspect out of it and think about them talking about a Bill Clinton. Yeah. Take it, send him to make him a Rhodes Scholar. That'll lift him out. Which which Rhodes in its <laughs> Caesar Rhodes in itself is you know white supremacy you know Rhodesia Rhodesia yes exactly. <laughs> so it's like let's send him over to the white supremacy school. Yeah, get him trained up, and when he comes back, he won't identify with his archis. Sorry, I'm, I'm an yeah. Arcan. Yeah, he won't brother, make trouble. Brothers, he, w- he won't make trouble. Right. So, I mean, it's just not, it's, this thing goes way deeper than race. It's just much more visible when we talk about race. Yes. And then, of course, you have the ultimate white trash who has all the markers, has all the checks, he's got the receipts, but he'll never be one of us. And that's Donald Trump. Which he was born into the wasp. I mean, he is a wasp. I mean, like by, by yeah, genetics, from Queens. He is a <laughs> he is a wasp, yeah, because he is a Protestant. And we're saying he's white Anglo-Saxon, but he didn't pass their test. He's he's uncouth, and you know he's you know yes. he's unkept and uncouth. Yep. So I mean, hopefully people find value in this, and this and this is why we do the show. Um. So I mean. We have the conversation people really can't, can't have here on the show. I And, and uh, I know that both of us feel very fortunate that we can do this um, and that everybody can listen in. There's a, a lot of people are learning so much are, are um, and also feeding stuff back. I don't know. It's something really special. I'm very proud to be a part of this. And everyone who is here listening, you're producing it. I mean, this is the traditional way of production is uh, there's a feedback loop with the producers so we make the best product and then there's also a financing element and a lot of people just want to help that way or that's the only way they can help and we appreciate all of that and to set us up let's listen to uh uh, <laughs> let's listen to the good reverend i understand that there's some people out there who need my services yes, Lord. are there any people out there who are weak yes. Yes. any people out there who are weary yes. any people out there who are tired just need a hit. Y'all got cash. Well, then come on down. (laughs) That's right. We operate as a value-for-value production. It's really simple. What what is this show worth to you? You listen to it. You don't have to pay anything. It's free. There's no advertising, no commercial interest. It's just for you, by us, with you. Uh, Translate that into a number and send it off to us. Support was 
was lower than usual, surprisingly. It was about half of what we usually seen. But want yep. to thank those people who did come in. And we have uh, three, four, five, six, seven executive producers. Uh, and actually only executive producers, no associate executive producers. Oh, no, I'm sorry. One, two, three. One, two. It's even, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's four associates, three executives. There we go. Um, and this, of course, is uh, where we ask you to go to mofax.com to uh, support the show or directly to the donation page at mofundme.com. We start off with Aaron Bear, $100. And Aaron says, first and foremost, Mo, I've decided to take seven weeks off from work as a nurse and I'm moving at the end of the month. Needless to say, the money I have apportioned for this transitional time did not include a donation to your show with Adam. However, value for value compels me, all caps, especially after your very comprehensive and thought-provoking episodes 44 and 45. I even encouraged a co-worker or two to do the work. (laughs) With links to those episodes. Secondly, Adam, I have to cite the old Mark Twain quote. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21... I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. You have really grown. Prof- and, Sorry. Now I was about to say before you continue, isn't that apropos for this show? It's, it's, letter- it's spot on, isn't it? It's spot on. I appreciate it. That's very nice, Aaron. Uh, you have grown professionally and I will take no credit for any personal growth or development. I've may have cultivated on my end in this donation note. If we split the difference and uh, cite your felicitous marriage to tina the keeper another fine specimen of excellence in nursing well uh, ronald mcdonald house not a nurse but in in care for people yes then i can commend your work and maintain my man card in the same donation no problems with us my friend very important to a male nurse as you can imagine oh i don't even nurse that's interesting i for some i got out of that programming it's not when i think of nurse i don't think of a female nurse but i do get it it's like stewardess i'm sorry <clears throat> flight attendant carry on god right. bless your admirer and financial ally the incognito oh my goodness <laughs> i have missed the incognito he was a long-term uh, no agenda supporter and i'm glad to see him pop up on the radar and thank you kind words $100 also executive uh, producership, which is a real title, by the way. You can put that title anywhere you want. You can say, I was the executive producer of MoFax with Adam Curry, episode number 47. Keegan Near will say that. And uh, this is actually, I believe this is a donation, maybe an aggregate donation from the No Agenda slash MoFax meetup in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. That's why I was thinking as well. That's that's all that had on for the comment. So I was assuming that that that's who we are attributed yeah, to. Yeah, I'll look and see if um, I'll look later on uh, see if anything else came up. So if there, if there are any other names to uh, um, to credit, please feel free to send me or, or Mo an email, and we'll make sure um, that we do that when the donations come in. Very much appreciated. And actually, I think that was the second No Agenda Mo Facts meetup. There's been two meetups, and we've been to none. Mo, this is. An outrage, and it will not stand. I'm Unacceptable. Have, I'm going to have to come and visit you, man. We're going to have to do it in uh, Northern Virginia. Uh, That's a short ride, I think, from PA, so there maybe you they go. can come down, too. Uh, final executive producer for episode 47, Timothy Kiernan, 
who says, bless you, Mo and Adam. Keep going, Sir Timothy in Plymouth, Michigan. And thank you very much for your courage, Timothy. Really appreciate that. First associate executive producer for episode 47 is Christopher Raymer. Uh, Mo and Adam, the show is a most excellent production and great service to all. Each show is better than the last, makes me laugh, and opens my eyes to new perspective, perspective, and, of course, facts neglected in my public and higher education. Yet, ditto, Christopher. My douchebag status is no longer tenable. I'd like to give a special thanks to Daniel from the local four or six meetups for his consistent hitting us in the mouth. Mo Karma, please, and my thanks to you both, and keep it coming. You betcha. We got that for you uh, right here. <laughs> You've got... Mo Karma. I should have and mentioned. I like that name as well. Cir- circus Media. Circus Media. Circus Media. <laughs> yes. Circus Media. 7777. Nice set of sevens. Thank you. Fuse 969 LLC. No note, but $75. And thus an executive associate producership. John P. Smith. Double nickels on the dime. 5510. Sending a note via email. Uh, dude. No sh- note found. Okay. Yeah. But does say, dude, dude, the show is awesome. Keep it up. I'm hooked. Well, here we are with another injection for you, John P. Smith. $55 and the final uh, uh, associate executive producer is Theodora Doringa Onyega. I think. Onyena? Onyena. Onyena. Gosh, I'm butchering. Theodora says, hi, Mo and Adam. I really love and enjoy the show. Thank you for the education and greetings from Austria. Ah. Nice. Uh, in uh, in Austria. I've, I've I, as a kid, we skied in Austria. Selamsee, Selamsiller. It's beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, then we have Chris Bailey who comes in at forty-seven dollars. Show number donation. That's right. You noticed it. That gets you a credit on the page, the show page for episode forty-seven. Very smart. Keep them coming. Can I get some Mo Karma? Yes, Chris. <laughs> you bet you can. We got it for you right here. You've got Mo Karma. Do we have any uh, any deadbeat callouts or anything or any d dead beatings? Because I'm I didn't see I didn't see any deep dead beating or dead beaters. Because so. I'm, I'm finally prepared, and I, maybe I'll just share with it. So if if you want to call someone out who has either uh, hit you in the mouth, got you to listen to the show, or um, you know you know has just been listening but has never supported the show. You can call them out as a deadbeat. Ew, you're a deadbeat. <laughs> and uh, and we also have a way if someone has uh, done good and you come in and you want it to be de-deadbeated, we've got this one. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. <laughs> James Dennifer. James Dennifer on, on the mic, everybody. Uh, $46.15 from Josh Welburn says, thank you for the education. Well, our pleasure, of course. Lindsay Heitman, $46. Happy 46th episode. Love the show. Let's do a meetup. Now, that's DC girl. And you know she's nearby, so we have to do that. Uh, yes. Stuart, 3333, but no note. We do appreciate it. Stuart Aaron Haynes. Hey, Mo and Adam, 3333 for you. Love the show. Thanks for doing the work. Well, we gotta do. We just might as well play it if you're saying it. We're doing the work, everybody. Just doing my part here is thirty-three, thirty-three. Sorry for racism, he says. Oh yes, <laughs> it only counts if you send it through Venmo, man. It's not. It doesn't count like that. <laughs> Dame Salsa Queen. Dame Salsa Queen. Also thirty-three, thirty-three. 
Please credit me as Dame Salsa Queen. I came from no agenda, thus a dame. Yes, you are. Uh, the first week uh, first week of work from home, I turned, tuned into the No Agenda live stream in the early start of a replay, episode 31 or 32. After about 10 minutes, I had to find something else to listen to because I knew right then that I had found a new show and was going to want to start from the beginning of this episode as well as start back for episode number one. No Agenda, I was pretty much all in on the first episode I heard as well. <laughs> nice. This is a wonderful show. The topics have tended to be not on my present radar or central to an issue I ponder on my own. So it's entirely the presentation, production, and honesty, and humorous dialogue between you two that makes it. Well, thank you. And we are just following in the uh, infinite advice of, uh, of Malcolm X. He that's, said that's, that's, it. that's the only the only way it'll work is if the white man and the black man sit down together and talk about it. And here we are. Sean Mernon, $25, no note. We thank you, Sean. James Morin, uh, where's the monthly subscription? Am I missing it? Yeah, Mo. I'm going to have a meeting after the show. I'm, yeah, I'm going to mm-hmm. put that on Adam's plate. Yeah. And- oh, man. <laughs> okay. So I can get Mo. All right. All right. I will take this. It is now firm squarely on my plate. Um, Love the MoFax, but make the cash flow easy to send. We got you, man. We'll take care of it, James. Thank you. John Taylor, uh, new show tomorrow. Karma, you must have sent it in yesterday. Thank you. Here it is for you. Raphael, $21. Thanks, he says. Uh, Cameron White, no note to $20. Derek McNulty, here's a dub for your hard work. Mo Karma, please. Yes, you bet. You've got... Misa Yusufpour from Adelaide, South Australia, with $15, which is probably rent money in Australian dollars. It's so bad, the conversion rate, so it's appreciated. Uh, Nice use of flagrant clips. Always love hearing the woman complain about Bloomberg and then say she will (laughs) still vote for him. (laughs) That is another classic. That is a Mofax classic for sure. Thank you very much. Uh, Misa. Uh, Oystein Berge, 1111. Uh, no note, but we appreciate it. James Morin. Now, wait, James uh, already had a 25 earlier, so uh, an extra 10 bucks, he says, for that weird I'm a baby boomer clip that showed up out of nowhere. <laughs> I like it. Actually, I should probably play that then, since you... Yeah, give it to him. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we got that. Here, take this. Yeah, so my generation... Oops, that's not the one. Was it, was it called Boomer? Baby Boomer? Boomer? What was it called again? I'm a Boomer? It has ISO. Ah, uh, there ISO we in the go. Front. Yeah. I'm a Baby Boomer. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I'm a Baby Boomer. Uh, Gleb Radutsky, $5. No, nope. Thank you, though. Michael Mulk, here's for $4.50 for yours and Adam's first anniversary of the show. Oh, that's right. For our 45th was... Our first anniversary. Thank you. It's very kind for you thinking of us. And Terry Keller, 411, no note, but message received. And Robert O'Donnell, thanks for the show. I'm learning so much and appreciate your hard work. I know it's a little donation, but please don't take it as a slight. It's what I can afford at this time. Appreciate you. Uh, Robert, that's the beauty of the value for value model. We don't force you into anything. $2.50 is a lot of value for you. And so we appreciate that. That's how it works. Value is different for everybody and we're very proud to have all of you as producers and obviously highlighting our executive producers and associate executive producers of episode number 47 of Mo Facts with Adam Curry. Please do consider uh, supporting this show so we can keep making great shows. We're on a, we're on a weekly schedule. Um, 
it's work. It's work. <laughs> it's real work. And we're, we're, we're pushing hard for y'all. And we love the interaction and the notes are a great way to do that and to also share it on the show. Go to mofax.com or directly to our donation page at mofundme.com, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E.com. All right, so coming out of the donation set, a case of passing, but this time as a wasp. My father was born in 1905. His name was Edmund Paul Butchkowski, B-U-C-Z-K-O-W-S-K-I. And when he went out as a young man to look for work, the only thing he found were signs in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania that said, Polish need not apply. So he changed our name. He changed it from Butchkowski to Bert. I went to college. I got married. A man I married first <laughs> was a man whose last name was Norwegian. I always felt like Carol Birch sort of sounded like Clip Clop, just such a no bitey sort of name. And now my name was Carol Nermo. <gasps> I thought that was so wonderful. You know, there's no stigma in being Norwegian. And and aren't all Norwegians beautiful and and tall and clean and good? And now maybe was I all those things? Suddenly tall, suddenly beautiful, suddenly good. And when that marriage ended in a divorce, who was I? Huh. You know... <laughs> Do you know that even though I was born in the United States, born to American wasp legacy, very mm-hmm. often I passed for Dutch. I would by, by appearance or uh, in everything because you mastered the language, or I mean, is it, is it? no? Well, first of all, the uh, the the blonde hair, the uh, bluish eyes, and I definitely have some Dutch traits. Absolutely. I'm just saying, there you can pass. There's many ways you can pass. Lots of people, yeah, the, the Dutch people feel that I am one of them. I, I, I noticed that. I mean, like they, 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 they claim you like as yeah. one of their own. Oh, so. they'll even say he's Dutch. He's Dutch, man. <laughs> Leave him alone. He's Dutch. He's one of ours. He's one of us. But I want to show people, this. when I heard this clip, what came to mind was Pinky from our show about right, passing. right. And it was like when those two guys stopped her on the road, they first thought she was a white woman. Yeah. They're like, ma'am, you don't need to be on this side of town this <laughs> this time of night. You know, and then she's like, oh, I'm from around here. And instance, in an instant, their perception of her changed. changed. Yep. yep. Her complexion didn't change. Her appearance didn't change any of that. But their perception of her changed. Now, when I hear this clip and then think about it in the same mindset, just from her last name changing. Now, her father changed it from a Polish last name to a more, I'll say, American, Birch. I don't know like what that falls under. But then, but she still didn't feel like that was enough. But when she got a Norwegian last name, she's like, oh, finally, yes. This makes me feel... Now, her appearance didn't change. Nothing changed about her. But and the- this is the real pressure of waspism or whiteness i mean let's just call it what it i mean because i i know I, I use wasp but protestant really doesn't matter anymore it's whiteness i mm-hmm. mean this is what they refer to these are we always have to look at words and how they're used it's the white supremacy when people say when people say whiteness they actually mean the archetype of 
wasp. Mm-hmm. You know, you come from a two parent household, uh, financially not even stable, but your your future is laid out for you. You know, your dad made all the right decisions. You're going to college. That's the thing that Trump gets, right? I mean, that's the stain that he gets is his dad gave him two million dollars. <laughs> you mean like <laughs> yeah, who yeah. is that? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. all the people that have issue with Donald Trump, we've pointed out, has exactly. daddy issues. Yes. And, and I don't, <laughs> I don't say that as a bad thing, but I think the disdain they have is for their own fathers to say, "Why did you bring me into this country, into this world, less than?" I mean, it's that I think that is the real hmm. issue because they're like, "Dad, why couldn't you be like Trump's dad and have you know have me?" two million dollars laid yeah. up so i could be anything i wanted to have yeah and and that manifests itself as you know what <laughs> if i can't have two million dollars nobody can't either let's get rid of capitalism let's go yes. with marxism yeah <laughs> that's yes. that's the, that's the real root of it <laughs> and that's and, that, and, and that's just the teachers and the professors saying it yeah <laughs> I, I, it's a it's a it's a, like i said it's amazing and it, it, there is a white civil war going on i wish more people would talk about it Oh, uh, and well, you've you've only just opened our eyes to it, Mo. So give us a heartbeat. White people are in shock. Yeah, yeah. we got to think about this for a moment. It's like, oh, hold on a second. There's, there's something to this. Yeah, of course. And that's when you see when people show up to other people's houses saying Black Lives Matter and it's all white people. It's isn't like, great? hold isn't on. That, isn't that great? It's like it's all in the open. That's what I love so, so much about this period. <laughs> all these absurdities are out in the open and it is, and, and, and you know, it's Orwell's eighty four. It's like good is bad, up is down, uh, fear is strength. Um, you know, Black Lives Matter is white people protesting. It, it's out in the open. The absurdity of it is there, <laughs> and we're just oh, okay. You know, we're either too stoned, too drunk, too fearful. Probably that's the best one. Fear, yeah, as 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 it goes. We, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And then they trigger each other with these um these these jabs and these pokes, right? You know, all lives matter. Uh, another thing, when you're doing the work, never use that term. It's a non-starter. I mean, I'm just be honest with you. I we all know uh, we all know all lives matter. But what it has been done is it's been hijacked to be a almost a s- insult to say all lives matter. We, of course. we know this. Yes, this is. But the, what you're doing is you bring yourself down to their level <laughs> of people that try to weaponize Black Lives Matter, and you weaponize this other statement, and it just furthers the 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 internal white civil war. And I think the which helps uh, nobody. If you break <laughs> if you break it down into groups, you're going to see really. It's not even Democrat, Republican. It's really the Nationalist Party and the Nazi Party. That's really what it is. And, 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 and I hate to see it, but all I see from Democratic leadership and the things we listen to here and look at and analyze is uh, very reminiscent of creating an uber race, uh, getting rid, rid of the weak elements, um, a lot of the tactics that are used, it feels just like a lot of historical repeat, i.e. the, the and, Second and, World War. And it's not only white people that embrace this. It's a lot of black people that look at a lot of 
lower class black people like if we can just get rid of them then we'll be accepted <laughs> then, it's, then, then a, we're that, up then we move up <laughs> yeah yeah we got to get rid of this we we they what they want to do is and this is this is how when you say i want to be clear when i say whiteness because none of us are white. You're not white, Adam. I'm not black. I mean, we, we really need to get to figure out who we are <laughs> because these are corporate designations and uh, social constructs. I mean, for lack of a better word. So we have to get rid of those. But when black people go off and get into academia and, and, and affluent positions, they look at like, if we could just get rid of those bottom feeders then the whole race could come up. And that is the, that's the whitest mind you can have. Mm-hmm. Not when I, when I say that I'm talking about the textbook term that we laid out for white supremacy. Yes. That is the white supremacist mind. Like if we can not let them be who they are, <laughs> but if we can just get rid of them, you know, then, then they won't associate me with them. Yeah. And that's what you see now. Like I said, with Trump and, and what he brought about is that now it's like, I thought they, they felt like, They've solved that problem, right? I thought we got rid of those people. I thought they were di- what they say. They need to die. <laughs> a lot of yeah, yeah. they'll say like those old white people. They need to die, and it's like what? Mm. Like, but that's the calling. I mean, the calling is real, and that's why they have no problem with uh, fentanyl and prescription drugs filtering over into the white communities it's all because poor people they had no problem uh taking away their jobs their which are the manufacturing everything mm-hmm. the whole concept of a flyover state fly over the trash honey just fly, the, fly thing, over. The, the fact we say that it's like oh pe- they get on tv i'm like people have to realize there's states between new york and california hello yeah. i mean like <laughs> what, what, what why did you you didn't realize that it's people you know and it's the same thing with people in the um well in Mo, the south that, it, that, that ha- kind of thing having grown up uh east coast uh, uh obviously privileged uh two parents groovy uh but mm-hmm. uh by no means uh not a deplorable not white trash but probably borderline deplorable my parents were government so that kind of, you kind of get you're okay you get to flow along with the system um but mm-hmm. i too until i started doing shows uh, to promote my radio show in the late 80s and 90s where i really went to almost every single bad top 40 radio station in the country including alaska in anchorage and there you see it it's like oh, okay there's all these people here and wow let me tell you they really love their mtv Holy crap. I was part of the fentanyl of the 80s, man. That was crack for the kids, especially in impoverished areas across the United States. It was like, holy crap, this is rock and roll. This is great. This is for us. Wasn't, but, you know, they, they were But it was starved. the counterculture. It, it was. Still the, it, it was. The counterculture totally. always gets embraced because for a little to be bit. counter, you have to be the, well, that's what happens. Big money always comes in yes. and, and, and ruins the art by... Uh, paying off or buying, you're saying buying up spots. So yep. we see that all the time. Yeah, but, but yeah, it, it's it's really a sense of um, I'm better than you. That's what it all boils down sure, to. Sure, it does. And that's 
And then we heard that on the last show with, with how black people talk to other black people. How can you do that? How can you think that way? You know, there's no room for freedom of thought. So, uh, just on a lighter note, <laughs> I have a couple of clips from uh, people like us deleted scenes, and they have uh, w- wasp lessons. It's <laughs> from people like us. Okay, here we go. They were words that I grew up knowing that I was not allowed to say. And if I heard someone say that, that was a red flag that might take 20 years for me to recover from. I might never forget that they said that word. But I unfortunately have had so many concussions from falling off horses that I can only remember them when I hear them. Evening gown was certainly one of them. Um, Lingerie, my God, if someone said that word, (laughs) you would never forget it. Um, Drapes for curtains. I cringe at that word. (laughs) It really has to do with the way you were brought up. The way your aunt showed you how to pick up a teacup. The way your mother showed you how to write a thank you note. You have to talk about piping. Piping is called piping rock. And you call it piping. You do that thing with your chin. Ah! Uh, uh, <laughs> wow, my mom was wannabe. She... Oh my God, that's so funny. We were raised, <laughs> Mo. We were raised according to Emily Post's Book of Etiquette. And uh, and this was, uh, if you look, I'll put it in the show notes, Emily Post. She mm-hmm. wrote the book. She wrote this book on how to drink your tea, how the uh, how the table is set, how to speak, how, where to put your napkin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Boulet lessons. And I mean, uh, uh, wasp lessons. No, no, you're right. No, you're right. But also boulet. The, yes, of course. The boulet is nothing but the black wasp. Right? I mean, it just filters over because... There's certain things I don't. I never knew where they came from, but you don't wear white after Labor Day. I'm like, what? I mean, like, exactly. I never understood that. But but in my in our community, these I guess they learned it from white folks that were in cl- close proximity to. But these things uh, filter down, and I, I just remember certain of them. Uh, like I said, curtains, how how to do, I mean, how do you, how you kept your house. Yeah, sure. Uh, a lot of those things that were learned. Uh, and I will say this, when New York people, when black people would go to New York and come back, I'm talking about older black people and the one did the great migration. They would pick up a lot of that wasp isms and bring them back to the South. And they spoke very proper, like in. Yes. My grandma used to tell her, her sister, like, why are you talking like that? You know, like kind of thing. And oh, she was very proper. Oh, Mo. I've told you my, <laughs> I've told you my Tina, Tor- Tina Turner story, haven't I? Right. Yeah. But okay. So anyway, Tina Turner, when she went, when she went to uh, England for a while, she came back to Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. I'm Tina Turner. I'm Tina Turner beyond Thunderdome. And she had this like weird kind of European kind of British accent. It was really odd. Um, and, and New York and New Yorkers would do the same thing. Oh, People yeah. that were from the South, grew up in the South all their life, yep. would go back and, and they would uh, embrace this certain and language uh, is, way of speaking. And language is such an identifier. I mean, if you listen to upspeak, uptalk, dropping T's, a lot of, hey, I identify, I identify with you because I talk like this. And so you know that I'm part of your club and you know that I'm blah, 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 blah. And, Maybe subliminally, uh, there's a reason why you say acts. I don't know. You know? And I want to say this. I, I, this is just a general question. Why does that irk people so bad? It doesn't irk it, it, 
not not you. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like you have Jamaicans that say tree for three. No, no, you mi- oh, no, no. It, it, it's exact. It is exactly what we're talking about. It is an irritation. <laughs> hey, don't you want to be where you really want to be? Don't you really want to be with the wasp crowd? Let's learn how to speak properly. That's exactly what these clips yeah, are my- saying. Learn how to say ask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but that is so. No, but it, listen, think about it. That is truly a white supremacist uh, issue. Yeah. yeah, you don't. You can't say it properly, so you don't belong here. By the way, I, I looked up the the white after Labor Day. I don't know if everyone knows this. That's a, that's a thing. You're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day. Marie Claire magazine actually has a pretty good description. In the late 19th century, long before you could wear jeans to a Michelin star restaurant, the society ladies were engaged in an invisible battle with the nouveau riche, i.e. white supremacists, one that could only mm-hmm. be won by the subtle manipulation of fashion. The you-can't-wear-white-after-Labor-Day rule, fashion, ladies and gentlemen, was, God, it's so obvious, was created to separate the old money elitists from the new money group. It was insiders trying to keep other people out, according to Valerie Steele, director of the museum of, uh, at the Fashion Institute of Technology, uh, and outsiders trying to climb by providing they know the rules. Fashion is, in fact, systemically racist. On purpose. And... And we had this saying, and we have this saying in the black community, if you know, you know. And that's the kind of thing, like, if you know, if you're truly a wasp, a no good upstanding wasp but wear white after Labor Day. Right. But the new people would come in, like, and there'll be a, no, like a, you know, a signifier, like, oh, they're not really one of <laughs> it's us. Not really, they're and not to, doing it all wrong. And to hear more examples of this, let's get into uh, wasp lessons, too. They're extremely modest people, and they never show off, and they're more likely to have a small house than a large one. We have uh, the historic house. We have the, the threadbare oriental carpets. We have everything you need to be upper class. Mercedes. Old Mercedes. Not new Mercedes. Nothing after 89. Wasps love to party. Um, and they like to drink for free. The upper class is extremely relaxed. You never wear too many pearls. Wear Gucci shoes, but wear them to death. Wear them out. And wear them during the summer with no socks. Madras pants. Madras pants. Uh, Some. A lot of people wear madras pants, Gordy. I mean, you know, the great joke about wasps. Why don't they have any cockroaches in their house? There's nothing to eat. <laughs> Nothing in my house. We'd all starve by dinner time. <laughs> is that a thing? Like enlighten, enlighten me. This is why I look, Adam. I always say this. You're one of the few only real white people I know. Yeah. Okay. I hope you take that the way I mean it. What I mean by it is like you said, you're Anglo-Saxon yeah, Protestant. Course. You came from, of course. No, I'm just saying because like it's like you just said. Oh yeah, we went to Austria the ski, and I'm like, what? <laughs> so is it like the nonchalant? Listen, you say that. So is this no food in the house? Is that a thing? Like, do wasps not keep groceries? Well, let me address. Uh, <laughs> let me address the Austrian ski trip first. Yeah, in uh, in all of Europe, but certainly in the Netherlands. Uh, there's two types of holidays. 
One is you go camping in the summer uh, or you go to the south of France and you drive, you all drive. Or you have winter sport, which is actually, hey, what are you doing for uh, for uh, for this? Well, going on winter sport. And most people will drive. We actually took the train each year, which was, you know, sleeper train. So... Mm-hmm. It sounds it sounds a lot better than it is. No, I'm just saying the way but you I said it, you. it was like I, I was that's, like wow. Buffy, like, wow. Buffy, <laughs> Buffy. We went Buffy. We went to Salamsay, Salamsilla for when we went skiing. Oh yes, shooshing down the mountain. Oh yes, I've got my gold ski with medal from mm-hmm, from class. We would always say she heil, she heil, she heil. I'm not kidding. Um, only only wasps know for me. So no food in the house. This is interesting. I can't say that. No, because you laughed. So I'm just, well, I didn't know I, if it I struck lo- a chord with I, you. I or? Well, I laughed for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, <laughs> of, of course, I have a, a wasp upbringing. But, um, uh-huh. gosh, that's real. I mean... We probably didn't, have, it, it was all kind of measured, you know, it's like, here's what there is and don't touch that. And, you know, it wasn't like it's always, all planned out. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was planned out. Yes. Although what's interesting is uh, mainly because of my, uh, my first wife's mother. So my mother-in-law who was still with us, she's now 94. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they stayed with us a lot. And they all went through the hunger winter in uh, in World War II. Uh, you know, they got bombed out of their homes in Rotterdam, and uh, her husband would ride on a bicycle with wooden tires for fifty kilometers <laughs> up, fifty cl- to get one sugar beet, and they'd make soup out of rocks and nettles. Um, and uh, so, I love that privilege, right? And <laughs> and so I think because I, I was I was married very young, so I think a lot of her influence rubbed off on me. I am always the guy who has if if you're coming over to dinner and you all of a sudden brought two friends, no problem. I got enough. Um, if if the kids are especially if the kids are around, I'm hungry. Boom, 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 boom. Here's all this stuff I got because that that was kind of the environment that I was put in. Um, mm-hmm. But in the Netherlands in general very calvinist so you know like super super protestant really waspy when you think about it um mm-hmm. very sparse you know you have one piece of uh you know you have two pieces of bread with cheese and butter in the morning uh, it's always fish on friday and it's always measured and uh, yeah no no abundance of uh, of food measured i guess is what i'd call it but no but no modesty. food no food yeah it is maybe and I think that's the triggering of Trump. Now we get back to the troll, right? To you know, uh, the trolling of Trump, mm-hmm. the gold ceilings, the uh, having your own airplane, you know, the 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 braggadocious nature. All these are counter wasp. If you listen to what she's no, what they it's, said, it's they pretty, were like, it's pretty much you drive a Mercedes. It's pretty much hip hop culture, is what it is. Yeah, but see, like you said, you drive a Mercedes, but nothing over eighty nine. Old Mercedes, right? You know that kind of thing. Or <laughs> yeah, 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 you wear yeah, Gucci yeah. shoes, but you got to wear them out. That, I mean, that was no, no that Gucci. was me. I I always had like, hey, man, hey, cool car, man. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, yeah. I had a Rolls Royce. I bought it in uh, in eighty nine. It was from seventy nine. It only had 
5,000 miles on it, but still it was like, Mm -hmm. it was not, it was not the brand new, uh, spanking, uh, continental at the time, you know, it was the, it was the silver shadow too. So yeah. Is that because it signifies a certain, I mean, I mean, I guess they do that because it's part of being a wasp is you have to be like modest with it. You know, you don't talk about money. Oh no. Um, no, I, I, I wanted, I wanted the $250,000 version. I couldn't afford it. So I'll, take, I'll settle for this. Oh, so you were more hip hop. You were more. T- I am way hip hop. Way hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> I had the, I had, I was the first person anyone at MTV had ever seen who had a, a mobile phone in my briefcase, you know, the big VHS size phone. <laughs> People be like, I'm like, Hey man. Yeah. Oh, I had all that, Mo. I had all that stuff. I was first, 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 first. We, we call that being geeky. And, and that's when it's just... But, uh, but the uh, roller, now, because I had my leather jacket on with my headbangers ball hair in the Rolls Royce driving into New York every single day. I'd say with I your was, cell phone in your briefcase. And I, and I had the gray Poupon in the dashboard in case someone asked, which happened a lot. So, yeah. That, yeah. I was kind of hip-hop, I guess. <laughs> well... In these next few clips, I know everybody's worried about the wasp. They're an endangered species, but have no fear. <laughs> there are there is a wasp conservation conservation uh, effort going on. Oh, thank goodness! The death of George H. W. Bush has occasioned a fair amount of nostalgia for the old American establishment, of which Bush was undoubtedly a prominent member. It's also provoked a heated debate among commentators about that establishment whose membership was determined largely by bloodlines and connections. Mm -hmm. You had to be a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant to ascend to almost any position of power in America until the early 1960s. Surely there is nothing good to say about a system that was so discriminatory toward everyone else. Actually, there is. Oh, (laughs) oh. Oh, okay. Fareed Zakaria. All right. So we have we have uh, for for Fareed caping for the wasp. Yeah, which for, I found this is fascinating that he because he's a um, is he Indian Pakistani? Indian? Yeah, I think, I, I think Asian Indian sure. Pakistani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this goes to show you how much they they are praising George Bush, Poppy Bush, the you know the, the guy, the, the guy an- that started the angel of death himself. Yes. <laughs> Although and, and I know, some would say I, not. I brought this up with the, when he passed, how long the nation mourned. He is the basically king of modern America. I'm, I'll, I'll just run down it one more time. He had his term of, of I mean, he had, excuse me, start with Reagan. He had Reagan's term, mm-hmm. which a lot of people say Reagan was not uh, mental office. Uh, um, capable, mentally mental capable. Compa- got, yeah, he's mentally capable. So we had George Bush Sr. steering those eight years, and then he won his four years, and then he has his uh, WASP inductee, uh, Bill. Bill Clinton, come along, which he ran against him. So either way, he would have won. Yep. The, the, the family would have won. And then you go to Barack Obama, uh, uh, well, his son, well, first, which he Bush ran, Jr. he quarterback yep. through. Yep. Yeah, he he quarterback through Cheney, and then his other adopted wasp son, Barack Obama, won, and then you had it was setting up to be Clinton against Bush. I mean, they've ran, yeah, they, I, they've, I they've, they've been running the out. tables. They've been running the tables. Every election, they've had their candidate in there, except for when uh, 
the anti-wasp, the wasp eater uh, of 45 Savage came through and just destroyed his son and, and his adoptive daughter. Yes. And, it, we, and we've been under wasp rule all of our lives, Mo. Although I, I remember Carter kind of. Uh, there we go again. Yeah. But, I mean, just for Reed, he's over his, he's gushing <laughs> over the day that, you know, the country, and a lot of people are. And that's when you see these never Trumpers, they're really wasp. Sure. I mean, they, that's what they are. I mean, when you, I mean, that's when we talk about the neocons and we like to throw deep state. All these people have a, not say wasp per se, but they have the wasp mentality of, no, being modest while you rule. It's like, mm. if you want to be a good ruler, you don't let the people see that, you know, we, we have the finer things. So, <laughs> yes, uh, let's, so true. <laughs> so, true. <laughs> so let's listen to Fareed cape over the wasp even more. For all its faults, and it had many, it was often horribly bigoted, in some places segregationist, and almost always exclusionary. At its best, the old wasp aristocracy did have a sense of modesty, humility, and public spiritedness that seems largely absent in today's elite. Many of Bush's greatest moments, his handling of the fall of communism, his decision not to occupy Iraq after the first Gulf War, his acceptance of tax increases to close the deficit, were marked by restraint, an ability to do the right thing despite enormous pressure to pander to public opinion. But, and here is the problem, it is likely that these wasp virtues flowed from the nature of that old elite. The aristocracy was quite secure in its power and position, so it could afford to think about the country's fate in broad terms and look out for the longer term, rising above self-interest because its own interest was assured. Yeah, it's, so let me translate what I heard. Sure. <laughs> let me just... Tra- He's saying that we missed the old days when leadership were anchored in white supremacy so they could do the right thing without be having to pander to the uh, lesser groups. That's what I heard. I mean, I mean let me hear, let me I want to hear what you, yeah, what well, you heard. This really comes down to the term presidential. This is one of the biggest problems Ooh. the wasps and the <laughs> elites have with Trump is he's not he's not doing it right. He's not communicating right. This is not how you do it. This is not presidential. And we've become so accustomed to that. Then you saw Joe Biden give his speech, uh, basically the same one from uh, 2004 um, or 2008. You know, presidential. That's what we want. Yes. Don't worry, everybody. I'll take care of it. Often confused with empathy. And that should be like, this is the most diverse party and they've been on it for three, four years now. We're going to need a diverse representation. But then they pivot right back to the wasp representation of Joe Biden because they need to make sure they send a certain message. And the well-qualified and passing Kamala Harris. Yeah, because I mean, she as we looked into her, uh, her lineage, she comes from the, the right stuff. Yeah. Uh, slave owning on one side and the highest caste in India on the other side. It's like perfect. she checks off. Yeah, she. Yeah, she already. She was already a card carrying member. I would like to say one thing about Joe Biden. They should have not have him come out with the mask on and take it off, but because his hair sticking off the side of his head made him like a madman. So that was very unpre- that was very unpresidential. Just just <laughs> an appearance. <laughs> 
You look very, you look very unkept. Well, uh, that's the same when he hangs the mask off of one ear. You know, that's like that's not a presidential thing to do. Yeah, because he walked up with the. I mean, just to show you how, like, I just want to um, speak to your point about presidential. Yes, we never see a president with his hair out of place. And so when he was standing up, I'm just telling you how I was triggered because <laughs> uh, right. when you said that, I looked and I was like, no, 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 no. It's His not hair right. Is it's not right. It's not right. Yeah. It's not right. So what happened was he, when he went to walk up with the mask on, when he took it off. It brought a patch of his hair out to the side, <laughs> and, it, and it irked me for it to no end. <laughs> I didn't but notice speaks, that. <laughs> That's funny. It's, it's it's the waspism in me. It yes. flared up, right? Because yeah. like you can't, you can't be a president and have hair like that. That's all right, Mo. <laughs> Keep it up. You'll be in the club soon enough, my friend. You're working well. No, but, but you know what, though, a lot of my raising, I will have to say, this. sure, is wasp. I was raised. I was raised Protestant. Sure. Uh, I was raised, if you want to say two parents is a white thing, <laughs> I was raised in that way. Yeah. I was forced to speak correct English uh, when necessary. Uh, we were more lax around the house with the English, um, the conversational English. I, I but w- you couldn't break, uh, you couldn't break uh, grammar rules. I mean, no, the, the conjugating verbs the wrong way and that kind of, no, that was not accepted. Not accepted. That no. was not accepted. So I think it's weird that we had. I hope people cherish what we, me and Adam, do here. For you travel the world. I've only lived in two states my whole life, and as a up until twenty seven years old, I lived in one state. You know, we both came from two parent households, but racially we're different. Generationally, we're different, but we find so many common things off the way we were reared. Yes. That, you know, that's that's the real common uh, and, and also, bedrock. Yeah, and I think that, you know, waspism is probably the, and, you know, I think we've we've now discussed it, you know, that's the original culture um, of America. And there's, and there's a lot a lot of this upbringing, the ones you just mentioned, which are super appropriate and part of our overall culture, which is politeness, you know, a lot, a lot of things that, you know, you don't have to go to college. Ma- to be- manners. 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 Etiquette. My grandma, she would take her head off if you have your elbow on the table. So these Oh, things- my goodness. Elbow on the table. <laughs> Same thing, Mo. And and if you made the mistake that you put your knee up above the, the edge of the table, my grandma would oh, no. stick a fork in it. Stick a fork. Yeah, one right hand in your under knee. the table. You eat with Boom. the other unless yep. you're cutting meat or something like that. When you yeah. put, cut meat, you put it back down and then you... You know, you had to hold your fork a certain way. So these things bled over. So I'm not saying all things wasp are bad. What I'm saying is that to maintain this illusion yes, of what they illusion. owe America to uh, to appear to be, they have to get rid of the undesirables. Be it their own, be it other groups, you have to go. And so you, you seriously have to go. And you've got to wonder when it comes to this, when you have the rebels the uh undereducated um the misfits who go off and create companies like microsoft and apple and other unbelievable i mean elon musk didn't go to college uh mm-hmm. when when you see that those are the ones that are creating the big creative new ideas you know what do you want, really want to strive for what's really important and i'm glad you brought that point up Go ahead, go ahead, and finish. I'm, I'm glad you brought that point up because it just made me think of something. 
could Bill Gates be virtue signaling and trying to overcompensate because he's not of that wasp background? And when I'm saying wasp, I'm not talking about the religious oh, or the ethnic group. Oh, he's well. not from that. He's not from that ilk. So he's like, I can show you. I can kill people better than anybody else. Well, I'll, get, I'll get rid of all your undesirables. Just let me in. Well, talk about I, daddy. Talk about <laughs> daddy issues. Look at his father. His father was a super white supremacist, elite wasp mofo. Way up there. Very important guy. Not, I, I've not seen discussed. that, but I haven't been able to validate. But I've seen, I've seen so, that. Daddy, how about places. this? How, try this on. Daddy issues. Mm-hmm. Trying to make up for not being all daddy wanted him to be and finishing college. And even even the success of Microsoft is probably still not exactly what he was supposed to do. You know, compensating for it. That's very possible. Very possible. And it, and when you say that, it makes me think, I'm going to say this one last thing before we get into the last clip. I, I witnessed this before in the telling of history. J.P. Morgan went through the same thing. Oh. He was great at making money. He was great at making deals. But his dad was of that wasp ilk. Yeah. And he was like, Pierpont. He was like, that electricity that you're dealing with is uh like magic. You know what I'm saying? Like it was looked down upon that he wasn't <laughs> dealing sorcery. In the, in sorcery. The, in the, sorcery. How come <clears throat> right. you're not in the war business? Exactly. Or or the finance business or those that kind of thing. So it does matter the kind of business that you're in. Like computers <laughs> yeah you want something good right so i just want to say that so to bring us back to the vaccine because i mean i know people like how do you get from vaccine no, to it was a fun journey I, uh this is i like yeah. i like where we landed but we but let's button up with this last clip about uh certain types of parents and their vaccination habits Public health officials say they are alarmed at the growing number of cases of measles and whooping cough. They blame parents who are now refusing to immunize their kids. And it's happening mostly in wealthy communities. Carter Evans has a case in point. By his own admission, Dr. Bob Sears may be the only pediatrician in Southern California who does not advocate child vaccination. What percentage of your patients would you say choose not to get their children vaccinated in some form? I would say about half of my patients are not vaccinating. It's a growing trend, especially in affluent communities like Santa Monica and Malibu, where nearly 15 percent of kindergartners are not immunized. In the Orange County community where Dr. Sears practices, almost 10 percent percent of kindergartners were not vaccinated. You don't necessarily have to live in fear of these diseases. You have to respect the diseases. You have to understand them. But they're fairly unlikely to happen to any individual child. Dr. Sears says he's not anti-vaccine, but people need to know about the risks. Parents don't want their baby to have a bad side effect. They don't want to be a victim of a very severe vaccine reaction. If you don't vaccinate your child, or if you're waiting to think about it, then you're taking a risk. You're putting their life at risk potentially you're gambling you are you're gambling yeah. and usually at gambling you lose yeah interesting how the elites <laughs> just don't want to do no i got all kinds of reasons for this but the, now my kids let the poor people do it isn't that amazing mm, <laughs> After all is said and done and their belief in science which belief in science is belief in waspism itself i mean because what they say <laughs> yeah. you know the 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 the, the media the, the the universities, all those are uh, are white Anglo Saxon Protestant institutions. Mm-hmm. 
So when you question those things, you question their whole existence. But then when the rubber really meets the road, they don't even believe in their own in their own uh, things. And uh, as a reminder, Steve Jobs never let his kids play or have an iPhone or an iPad. It's a tool of indoctrination. <laughs> uh, you got to wonder why they didn't. I mean, this all the big Silicon Valley CEOs, their kids are not on Instagram. All the, they they really limit that. If let them at all. I would like to see vaccination records of those their kids as well. They talk the big talk, but nah. <laughs> <laughs> right. In the meantime, I'm going to see if I can find some uh, certificates for you and your kids. That black mark is happening. That, sir. <laughs> I'm sure I, I it's on the dark that, web. Sir. Yeah, it's on the dark web. It's on the dark web. Mo, this was a lot of fun. I did not expect this twist. <laughs> Enjoyed the conversation a lot. Um, learned a lot about myself. Uh, and hope, Me too. Yeah, hope, yeah. Well, that's, man, that's the best part of it. Uh, and this is what we do. And we appreciate uh, the help we get from everybody and the financial support. Uh, please remember it's value for value. So if you thought this was valuable, we'd love to uh, see that coming back to us uh, for that mofax.com, also for the archives and directly to the donation page at mofundme.com, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E.com. And as I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. Our eyes are peeled once again and we'll be looking forward to seeing y'all back here in about a week from now. Mo, great show, man. Thank you so much. Had a good time. All right, thanks, Adam. See you next week. All right, everybody, take care. Next week here on Mo Facts with Adam Curry. Ooh, honey bee.